Hello, everyone. Welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. That's PRT for short. My name is Josh Turner. I'm also known as Wolf, and uh, I'm your host. Joining me tonight is Tony. Is oh, are you going to call yourself Tony well, now? I mean, I like the way you introduce yourself. So I am Tony, also known no, as. No, you should. Yeah, I was going to say you should call yourself Mushu because. You're Tony and I'm Anthony, but people still think we're the same person. So I still think I'm the same person. Oh, I didn't even oh know. my god! My bad. I thought I was. doing You don't that. think at all. Let's not even pretend. <laughs> all right. You and we me. also have Ryan Tremblay in the house. Ryan, you want to say hello? Hello, hello. Well, now How's everybody doing tonight? It doesn't seem fair. Ryan doesn't have a nickname. Uh, he's Rhino. Oh God. Rhino. Okay. Well his, hey, last, well, his last name is cool enough to be a, a nickname. In Tremblay. Like itself. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Tremblay. Tremblay. That's why he has that outrageous French accent. He makes the ladies tremble. Hey, I like that. Let's stick with that. So, so here, here's what we got going on, folks. Let me go ahead and give you the email address. It's uh, Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. We also have a website, prtpodcast.com. Go and check it out. We got merchandise. We got all kinds of stuff there. We got our, we got all of our back episodes. We're on several different platforms, but we ask that you go to YouTube to like and subscribe because it helps us out. And um, Tony has a group, uh, Paranormal Encounters. It's uh, it's it's popping in there. Um, I don't know about that, but you know, it's there. It's definitely there. And N- Nelly, who couldn't be with us tonight, pray for her. She's been in some back pain. She's having lots of problems with her back, and so she couldn't make it. She tried. She was in studio, and she couldn't make it. So we're we're gonna we're gonna have uh, Anthony, Tony, and and Rhino Ryan with us, and uh, so we we got we got a roundtable tonight, and it's important because it's a hundredth episode. Now Nelly's group is Paranormal Lounge, and mine is Paranormal Roundtable. All of our group together is pretty much Paranormal Roundtable, and of course Nelly and Tony have their own groups. And Ryan, you want to talk about your group? A whisper to a scream cryptid podcast. Come join me over there on Facebook, folks. We're okay over there. We're a pretty nice bunch of people. So far, I have things. You just hit five hundred today. Mm, we did. Thanks yeah. to you. Well, it, it, you guys are rolling. I'm, I'm trying to help you get it rolling, keep it rolling, folks. Go and uh, join our Facebook groups. There's going to be a giveaway for this show. It's the hundredth episode, so there's going to be a backpack and a book. So you're going to get your autographed book from one of uh, your favorite authors inside of an, a backpack. Going to be two of those. Wait, so, wait a minute. We're getting a backpack and a book. We're giving away nice. a backpack. Can I enter into PR, this? PRT backpacks. I don't even have a PRT backpack yet. Because um, you don't deserve one. So <laughs> I'm just going to snatch one. That is what you, I'm going to snatch it from this giveaway. So don't, don't listen to that. I'm going to uh, thank you for providing me with a backpack. We're going to send you a book. Um, that, 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 I feel like that's a wonderful idea. Well, I'm going to let Ryan and you pick the winners okay. this week. Each yeah. one of y'all will get to pick. Ryan and Tony, you'll each get to pick a winner out of the comments. So we're going to put we're going to post the show. What we're going to do is we're going to post a show on the Paranormal Roundtable group on the group page and you guys will go to that group and you will pick the the winner, you guys, uh, Tony and Ryan. So you guys will will post a, a comment or whatever on that uh, on that link. Anything you're looking for when you pick uh, for a comment, Ryan? Anything you want to tell them to put in there? Yeah, maybe somebody that has a really good provocative question, too. Mm. Okay. I'll just pick Tony. I, I I would like a funny comment. Just, uh, yeah. just something funny, and I'll pick it off of that. Because I'm the humor Making of the show. Question. Oh, yes. He's the, he's the humor. I'm the humor. Uh, Ryan the is going to be the inquisitive part, and you're, you'll do the stories, I guess. You should leave whatever. a comment making fun of 
of Tony, and then he'll pick from the from the comments that mock him. Yeah, which I'll one choose the one that makes me cry the most in the shower. Yeah, yeah that'll make me feel better. <laughs> he'll be in the like the crying game. Exactly. Yep. Over Tony, bad Tony comments. So what we have tonight, folks, we have our hundredth episode. Like I said, so we've been we've we've been holding this one back. We could have dropped it a month or two ago, and we were like, you know what? We got closer to 100. We're like, let's just save it for the 100th episode, because then we couldn't figure out what we were going to do for the 100th episode. Well, I mean, everyone asked for this, especially. I mean, we, we've just, we, every time we mention it, it just goes crazy. So we've, finally, we're actually going to get to it. Yeah, because there, there was so it was so encompassing. Mm-hmm. There was so much to talk about. There were so many witnesses involved in this, and this this place was such a big place. And it, And when we talk about the Hernandez Ranch, we're not talking about because that's a nice topic. We're not we're not talking about one place. It's like a it's like a large ranch, thousands of acres, and there's like like but it's, but it's three or four, five actually five different properties now, or six different properties, and and so it was one time called the Hitchens Ranch, and that's that's these are aliases, but these are this is what it, what we used for, and when we talked about it on Dogman Encounters and Vic kind of show. Well, episodes 116, 136, and 137. So if you're not caught up on those, I'll give you the rundown. What we're talking about is a place that that exists in, in South Central Texas, and it is a very large um, area uh, between two – it's like in a triangle, actually, between three different towns. And there is a, a river that runs through it, and, and there's a lot of creeks that kind of branch off into this property. And at one time it was, it belonged to the Hitchens and they even eventually sold some land to this guy uh, whose name was Adam and his name was Adam Hernandez. He worked for the family and he ended up buying some of the land and then he had a son named Adam and then he had uh, three, uh, let's see, four other sons, uh, Noah, Abel, and Andrew, and Jojo. And Joe, of course, was the youngest and that's who we're going to focus on tonight is that particular uh, son um because he was actually he's he's going to be the one that we're going to talk about because he was actually instrumental in getting me back into the good graces with the family because there was sort there was a little uh problem there because when when I was when I did the shows on on the uh, Vic Cundiffs, there was this lady who kept pressuring me to try and get Abel who was my contact uh when when I did the Dogman Stripe story trying to get me to to t- have him come on the show and talk, which he was not interested in doing, and I did it anyway. It was a big mistake, and it and it didn't work out, and he I kind of lost his trust, and then I just kind of backed off, and and so I didn't talk to the family for a little while, and we weren't working with them anymore at that time. We were working with them at one time for a very large construction company that's based uh, around here, and they have several construction accounts at any given time, and we're doing three or four of them at any given time. And so we worked with this guy for about two years. His name was Jerry. And his dad was Andrew, and he was this one of the sons of this guy, Adam, that, that was on this on this ranch. And so uh, what ended up happening, I, I worked with him a couple times. Uh, like he was coming in in one of the houses where I was like posted up in front of. He was coming in and doing his job that he did. He was one of the trades. And uh, he owned a company that was that, that, that was one of the trades. And um, I started talking to him, you know, like on a, on a regular basis whenever I'd see him. And uh, w- one day we sat there and he was on his smoke break, whatever, and he was listening. I was playing Dogman Encounters radio, um, one of Vic's shows. 
and I don't listen to a lot of of uh, podcasts or whatever. But every once in a while, I'll, I'll listen to, listen in, you know. And uh, I had, I was listening to one of his shows, and um, he kind of sat there listening to it with me, and he was like, "This is interesting." He's like, "What are these things?" And when I started explaining to him what they were, he started telling me that he had had these things on his property for a long time, and that they they went back generations. And so, in episode one sixteen of Dogman Encounters Radio, I actually. Uh, talked about his encounters, this guy, Jerry Hernandez. And I talked about some of his brother's encounters and his brother, Joe and his, and his brother, uh, his brother, uh, Robbie and their encounters. And Joe, I'm sorry, he's not his, his brother. It's his uncle. Joe was the youngest of those original brothers, the the five brothers or whatever. He was born like 20 years after the youngest one, the, uh, the second youngest one, which would have been Andrew, which was Jerry and him's dad. The reason that I'm telling all these names so you remember because we're going to get into different people's encounters. And so later on, so you'll have to kind of follow like who these people are, I guess, a little bit. Not trying to just sound like I'm rambling. But so anyways, uh, Jerry's dad, Andrew, was, was would have been Joe's uh, older brother. And like I said, Joe's the guy we're going to talk about tonight. I had a friend that used to do research, Bigfoot research. He's he's got, He works for a very prestigious, large computer company. He's kind of a high up. I've known him for years, and uh, we'll call him Brad. And Brad used to go out into this area and look for for Sasquatch. And one night, one day, he had a dogman encounter. Um, nothing real spectacular, but it was it did come out of some brush. And and this was back in the '90s, late '90s. And he saw it. And so one day uh, we talked um, about his so-called canine Sasquatch encounter, which he thought it was a of a canine looking Sasquatch. And, but he said it was a horrific looking uh, creature and he told me about it. It was kind of brief. And so he was, it was him and his, uh, at that time girlfriend and they saw it and they, it was just like, Whoa. And then it was back into the brush and it was gone, but it was large and black. And <clears throat> he said it was pretty scary looking. So, uh, about two years ago, maybe three years ago, uh, I was talking to him and he was interested in this story. So he got in touch with, uh, Joe and started talking to him. I guess this, this would have been two years ago, actually. And, uh, he, me and Joe, uh, started talking. He got me and Joe to talking uh, and, and cause I had kind of like this, you know, distanced myself. We had me and the family hadn't talked because Abel had since passed away and he died. Me and him weren't talking anymore because of this particular woman that kind of pressed, pressed me to, 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 to get him on the show at Vic's show. And he, he was kind of aggravated by that because he felt like I was, I had gone and, and, you know, was trying to make money off of his story or whatever. And I said, I told him, I said, I'm not making any money off of it. And he's like, well, why would you go do a show? And I'm like, because it's interesting to me. It's something I want to do. I never got paid for these shows or anything. And so he, you know, he was under the impression that I was trying to use him or something. And, and so, so we, there was a misunderstanding. It was a misunderstanding. And eventually okay. me and Jerry talked too. And he was like, look, my uncle was getting really old. He was, he was getting more paranoid, you know, and, and Joe understood, you know, his older brother was getting to where he was also starting to have some, some problems remembering like, like dementia or whatever, but he, he passed away, um, unfortunately a couple of years ago. And then, uh, Joe, uh, and me got in touch because of my friend Brad, who had developed a relationship with them about a year after I had done the story. And Brad gave me a lot of information from from different people. So I went and I started doing my own investigating. And and so me, 
uh, and Scorpion have talked to these people. My brother, Anthony, we all know these people. We worked with them for a long time. What's, what's telling about this is that they each had a story. Like all the people that have lived in that area have all had an encounter. Multiple encounters, actually, most of them. And Jerry had told me his encounters on, 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 on I put them on DER on, on episode 116. And then I did, you know, like I said, I did Robbie's and then I did Joe's. Now, I wanted to focus on Joe tonight. We get started because he's the one that kind of got me back into where, where, with the family to where we started talking again, you know. It wasn't like we were mad at each other, like me and Jerry and the other guys. I just felt really bad about what happened with Abel. So I just kind of didn't really, I'd see him and just say, hey, what's up, whatever, you know. But I didn't. I didn't try talking to them anymore about this stuff yeah. because I didn't. It just, it just didn't feel comfortable to me. But my friend did bridge the gap for me, and so we all started kind of uh, working together. And so, so here's what's here's what's going on. Just to bring you up to speed, those who are not that, that don't know what's going on, this 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 story with Joe. What happened was they, there's all these encounters that took place on this ranch. And like I said, if you want to go and get real deep into, into the beginnings of it, you can go back to D- Dogman Encounters Radio episodes 116, 136, and 137. But Joe's encounter was on 116, and we'll kind of rehash that. What happened was he was remodeling uh, for a friend, the Lowrys, and they were friends of the family. So they were giving them a deal and they were doing some work on the, on the remodel. And he was at this house and this was about uh, several, eight, seven, eight miles away from the, the ranch itself where a lot of these encounters are taking place. And Joe was doing some work uh, and working late and he was, he saw something walk by a window, which he at first thought was a person wearing like a black cloak. And then he was like, what was that? Then he looked and he thought he saw a dog standing in the window when he registered that it was like, you know, standing upright, it it freaked him out. And then it moved away from the window and he was like, whoa. And then this thing eventually made its way to the front of the house where he was already like freaked out and was, was scared stiff. And it started to bump against the house and make noise. And eventually it entered into the garage because the garage door was open and that's when he realized, like, oh, no, I'm in this – this thing is coming through the garage. And long story short, uh, I'm not going to get into the whole dramatics of what happened because we talked about that in episode 116. Uh, but he ended up getting out the front door as this thing came into the house. And uh, he did do something uh, kind of uh, intelligent. He pulled the garage door down. There's a lock in it. He, yeah, he, so he kind of made it – yeah, so it beat its way out. Because it didn't open the door with you know with its, with its hands or whatever. I remember when the the people came in in the morning and they were talking about how the house was just demolished and it seemed like a wild animal just went insane in there. And Joe, I'm pretty sure he was thinking like, yeah, it definitely was, <laughs> definitely did. And, but, and, and you know, and of course he's going to have to deal with it because they they're like, what did you do? Did yeah. you get high on PCP? And you know. Well, and, I mean, it was obviously an animal, though. I mean, if I saw those scratches, I wouldn't think Joe's going crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty. It's pretty nuts. I mean, and so uh, what ended up happening was uh, Joe got chased, or, or Joe got chased away. He got in his car, his car and drove off. It didn't follow him or anything like that. But he he got away. But after what after that incident, that wasn't the end. Like what ended up happening? And when we talked, uh, this investigation went on and on. Like I talked to these people. For months, starting like in the, in the early summer, all the way to the end of the end of last year, we did a, I did a lot of intense investigating on this story. That's why that this is going to be the opening salvo to a series of the, we're going to talk about this these the different people 
but Joe's encounters, like what ended up happening was the, the second or third night that he was home after that, he didn't go back to work, obviously, for a while. He was kind of shaken up. He didn't even want to ride his bike. He didn't want to, and he didn't want to go uh, out driving around at night because he was so freaked out. So he was sleeping during the day, and then he'd be wide awake at night because he was afraid. So his sleep schedule kind of got up, you know, upturned or whatever. He developed insomnia eventually. And what happened was he was asleep in the den in his, in, in, in his house one night and, uh, he wakes up to hear like this scratching and growling noise and he looks over and he sees at the den, the window, there's like a window there. And he's like, man, I never even know really, he, he was thinking to himself, I, I didn't even know we had a window in the den. And he was like, like, I guess he was just so like, you know, shocked. Like he was just, he, he didn't even never notice that the window was there. And then the window was wide open and there was this, these two red eyes. And he said, out of the darkness just came this big mouth. And then he said that there was like two hands and it was like almost orchestrated, like one hand and the other. And he said, it looked like almost like two big tarantulas coming out of the window. Uh, like his, that's how long and nasty the fingers were. And they were black nails and they, and they just kind of wrapped like, like, like one after the other, like, you know? And uh, he said he was just looking and he saw this thing, just this red eyes staring right at him and it began to crawl into the window. It kind of, you know, put its paw, its paw-like hands down with its long fingers and began to kind of crawl toward him. And then he jumped up and he said he was in pitch darkness. He jumped up and then he realized that he had just woke up and he stumbled forward. So that was his dream. And he, he was like, he looked over and he was like, there was no window there. Didn't even exist. And he was just like, oh, thank goodness. And he that was one of his most intense dreams that he had. He had another one where he he kicked the sheets up off of himself and and, and he saw as the sheet was coming down, he saw this dog man looking creature standing at the foot of his bed. And as it as the, the sheet descended, then the, it was gone. And you could still see the legs, and then it was gone. And it was so weird. He told me that that was like when he was kind of like that half awake, half asleep state, you know. And um, so he knew that that something was going on, and and it was more than than he, you know, like he initially thought, you know, like oh, there's just some like giant wolf-like creature that's a rabid animal type thing. He started realizing that there was some sinister quality to this thing, and it wasn't like what he thought it was. And he kept telling me that, you know, when we were doing this investigation, he was like, "Wolf, you're not gonna you're not gonna believe me. It's not, it's not like the way you think it is." He's like, "What everybody seems to think." that these things are, he goes, that's, that's not it, you know? And so he, he would, he kept making sure that I understood that, you know? And I was like, okay. And I told him that I have dealt with a lot of different cases of, with these things. I've talked to lots of different people and, um, you know, it, it was just one of those things where I think that he had to like, you know, get me to like fully understand where he was coming from because he didn't think I did. And he didn't, I don't think he th- thought anybody did. Because a lot of people, they, they had this, uh, these different, uh, reactions, you know, like Abel, he had this sort of affinity toward that one that he called stripes. And so that kind of tempered his beliefs and feelings about it. Noah's were negative, very negative. Jerry's were kind of benign and Jojo's <clears throat> were, were pretty, uh, they were pretty intense and, and very negative, very, very negative. And so, you know, th- th- his, his encounters, what ended up happening with this guy it got worse. I mean, like the insomnia got worse and eventually he started having uh waking, like, like hallucinations. He would see what he thought were hallucinations. He would see this thing standing in the, in the stairwell 
Or like the corner of his eye? Or? The corner of his eye. And then okay. it would, then he, but sometimes he'd stare at it. It'd be there for a minute and it'd blink away. So he began to feel like he was being stalked. But, and then he thought that it, that it was like maybe him just hallucinating. But then his wife began to have these, these, she, she saw weird things and for, she knew how bad he was, what he was going through. So for a while, she wasn't telling him what was, what she was going through. One of the more intense things that she said that should happen to her. And I talked to her once <clears throat> just one time. And she told me her stories. Um, she was she was getting in the car to back out, and as they were as she was pulling out, she looks up and she sees and, and they live out in the country, you know, and they don't live near the ranch. They actually live they lived outside of Kyle, which was a, a pretty good ways away from it. And um, so she saw this thing like standing in the driveway, like behind her car, and she's like, "Oh crap, what is that?" And she she thought it was like a big dog that kind of popped up, but she knew all about what you know, Joe was going through. And so she was like, Oh no, it's one of those things. And she realized like, well, like, you know, real quick, like she switched gears and was like, no, that's one of those things. And it's behind my car. And so she slammed on the brakes and, and she was just like, this is, this is crazy. You know, so she was scared to get out of the vehicle. So she began honking the horn until her uh, oldest son came out and he came out and, you know, was like, sitting there playing video games or whatever, you know, she said he came out with like his headset on <laughs> and she was like yelling at him, take the headset off and that whole, you know, like, and she kind of cracked the window down a little bit and she's like, look, look, you know, and she's like, go get your dad, go inside. And, and so, so she didn't want to drive because she thought the thing was below the car, like under the car or whatever. So she, he comes outside with his pistol, uh, Joe, and starts to, to look and she's pointing under the car and there's nothing there. And he goes around and around. He's scared and she's scared. And so she described this thing, kind of how Joe saw it in his dreams. And so we eventually what, what, I, what I was able to figure out was that th there was something there that was flesh, very much flesh and blood. But it was also manifesting itself in some sort of like, um, like it was, it was you know, my, messing with their heads for sure, you know. It was also very um, like a spiritual nature to it too, and that's one of the reasons why in the last couple of years I've been like vehemently trying to tell people, look, you know, you know, Linda Godfrey made a good point. She said that these she thinks that these things are interdimensional, and I have a buddy that that tells me all the time that he thinks that not only interdimensional, but they, but they're flesh and blood when they come out of these portals, and then when they when they go further away from the portal, they become they, they become more flesh and blood. You know what I mean? They're like they're like ethereal, and then they they just become more flesh and blood the longer they stay on our plane of existence, and the more so and so they really are flesh and blood. They really are, but they're also ethereal. And you know, and when they come out of these portals, and Linda Godfrey said the same thing. She thinks that when they're on our plane of existence, they have to eat and drink and and do whatever we do as a, in a physical sense the longer they stay. So that that's what that's what I was trying to that's what I was kind of trying to convey to people. I've been trying to say that because I've got a lot of of, of witnesses that have talked about this this being the case, and that's why we're having such a hard time finding all this evidence because these things are not normal flesh and blood creatures. Yeah, they'll eat things and they'll appear to be flesh, but they don't. They're not from here. You know, they're moving in and out. You know, and another theory too is that they that people certain people can see them while others can't. Um, there's a guy who was talking to us, uh, we ate dinner with him, Anthony, and he's yeah. a witness we just ate dinner with. We're going to talk about his encounters someday soon. And he was talking about, he had hyena type, uh, encounters like you, uh, Brian. 
Ooh, exciting. Yeah, and so what what ended up happening was this guy said that that he has a certain blood type. Now he believes that it's very possible that, that that's why the, these things are attracted to certain blood types. And uh, I'm not going to get into all that right now, but uh, I told him that it's very possible that certain people can see them while others can't. Like they manifest themselves and and and, and those other people are with them would normally not see them, but they're with that particular person that, that's the experiencer. So then they're able to see it. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. People's eyes perceive things uh, differently right down to colors. I mean, if you remember that that picture of that dress that was going around, is it white and gold or black and blue or whatever it was? It caused a bunch of controversy, but it, it just kind of made people realize, like, hey, what, the, the way I perceive the world is not the way someone else perceives it. So, you know, it, it's it's very possible that certain people can see these uh, cryptids, entities, uh, whatever they are, and others just they don't see anything at all. Yeah, I also believe it's a certain level of belief, too. Like, sometimes, you know, if you aren't looking to see anything and you just see something real quick, you know, most people are very quick to just dismiss it. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we miss uh, just naturally that we just don't really think about. And we probably probably just just think of as, like, a normal minor thing that happens. Like, who, who knows how many times a fairy flows by your head and you just think it's some annoying little fly. Yeah. I mean that that that's that's the truth. I mean pe- people perceive things a certain way, you know, and and that it's all about perception. But you know, there is there is something to this where certain people have these dogman things happening and others don't. Other people seem to have chance encounters, but you might if it was another person walking along, just like what you saw Ryan, he might not even have have perceived that creature. He might not have even seen it. It might have been invisible to them. That's very true. Yeah, a lot of it is like, you know, they say seeing is believing, but, you know, some people just don't see these things at all. Well, sometimes, state of mind, I think. sometimes people don't believe to see. So, I mean, that's the yeah, problem. Yeah, exactly. It's all state of mind, really. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if you go back to, to, to Joe's encounter in episode 116 of Dogman Encounters, you know, he, he I talk about how he made fun of the other guys for a long time. He was making fun of Jerry. <laughs> he, he He was teasing everybody about what they were seeing. You know, you're seeing all these werewolves and stuff i don't believe in none of that until it happened to him and then it became very real and then it became too real and uh you know jerry told me he learned a valuable lesson about teasing people i mean it it, it, it don't you know when you talk to him he's a very down-to-earth honest guy i mean he's he did some he did some time and and a very bad unit you know and but um he made some mistakes you know and uh you know he he paid for it and he's he's you know i think i think was his life i think he's a pretty good guy and very trustworthy actually he's a hard worker and, um, you know, one of the things I was going to say too, you know, like sometimes when people like, not only do they not see, you know, they don't hear, like you may hear something and see something and, and three other people hear it and see it and they don't, you know, and that, that was what I was going to talk about with one of Joe's encounters. They went to the, to the, to the river and they went, they went tubing. And so they, they were all tubing down the river and, uh, they went to the Frio which is a river that I didn't even know existed until a couple of years ago. <laughs> Found out through Chief and uh, as Squid and uh, my old co-host had all kind of schooled me on that. I can't even believe I did not know it because I had never been. I, I, really, I realized later that I had been there and didn't know what it was. I didn't, didn't know that that's where I was at. And I thought, man, this must be a Mandela effect because I don't remember this place. But they were on the Frio and they were, they were, they were tubing. And uh, 
He said the water wasn't real good though, because it was like they had to stop and get out and you know at certain spots and walk. It was terrible. Oh, it's it was, like the worst part of it. Uh, yeah, it was experience. terrible. And so the water wasn't real, wasn't high enough, you know. So then eventually they just kind of gave up and went back to their campsite. Um, but while they were all there at the campsite, th- there was this loud howling that was going on right around dusk. And then as the sun went down at night, Jojo claims that he and his uh, oldest son and his youngest daughter and the, their their friend and then Robbie, his nephew, which was Jerry's brother, they all witnessed these two dogmen just like clear as day, like like just walk right like about you know 50 yards from the camp. And the other people that were with them, this is so weird. Like they were sitting there and they were like, don't you see that? Do you, you don't see those? And they, like literally they were the only ones that saw it. But the people, the family they were with didn't see anything. And like Joe was like, I mean, and I talked to Robbie too. And he said the same thing. He's like, we were, we all witnessed it. Like clear as day. Robbie's girlfriend didn't, couldn't, couldn't perceive it. Like they couldn't see what they were. They couldn't see them. And he's like, you don't see it. There's two of them right there. They were up on a ridge. And he said, it wasn't like it was hard. The sun was kind of behind them. So you had to shield, you know, but you could make out what they were. And they were just like, I don't see it, you know? And so the, this whole other family that they were with and then Robbie's girlfriend, they didn't see it at all. So I started talking about to a Joe and I was thinking, what is this? Some sort of familial thing or something that your, your family and Craig's family, um, I'm sorry, Shane's family sees it. And you don't, I don't, I don't understand. That's weird. I could, I couldn't, uh, perceive and understand like why the people from that region could see it. So I knew it wasn't just their family because you have Shane and his brother, Cody, and they, they could see these things and just had all kinds of stuff going on with them. Their wives had had problems with them, their children. And so it's gotta be something spiritual. It has to be, but then it manifests itself as physical. Yeah. But th- what ended up happening with Joe was that that this thing, you know, it, it got more and more nasty, um, just real bad. Like it, like his daughter was playing in, in their garage um, and they were playing with that chalk, you know, that chalk you can erase from, from cement or whatever. I'm sure because Tony, your little sister, used to play yeah, with Yeah, we played hopscotch and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You'd wash and Tony away used rain. to eat it. Tony, yeah. I, I was going to say your little <laughs> sister played with it, but apparently you did too. So, Okay. No, did she play with it? I was, I played with it. I don't yeah. know what she did. I know she was probably doing something like playing football or something boring. I you, was you were dressing like, up in princess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I was playing football too. He was like he was like fifteen playing with the chalk outside, yeah, and he was chewing on it. Are you chewing? <laughs> I like to pretend there were cigars while I was uh, making myself a little cowboy saloon. And we wonder why my step, my friend, your stepdad had a hard time with you. You come out, you got me in my bed, Dad. He'd boil it up with some salt and pepper, put some garlic on it. Mm, you seem mm. to be an expert on chalk eating there, mister. I feel like I'm not the only one. So uh, well, you're over here talking a lot of smack for I learned from the best. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, this, this is what happened. She was playing out there and she was messing with drawing chalk on the ground, whatever. And she heard a, like a whistle, like a high-pitched whistle. <clears throat> and she said it almost sounded like the wind blowing. And this is his youngest daughter. And she turns and she sees this, what she thought was a big dog coming down their driveway and they have a long driveway at that time where they, where they were living there. And, uh, she saw this black dog just walking down the driveway and then halfway down the driveway, he stood up and began to walk on two legs. But she said he was walking with his arms out forward and his back bent backwards. The way she described it was like a cartoon. 
Like he was appearing to her almost cartoonish like and was like kind of with a big smile on his face. And she told her dad that, that he looked like he was smiling. And he was like, what? And when she tried to describe it to him, you know, it was like the same creature that he had seen, the one that had attacked him or tried to attack him, you know. When you mean cartoon, do you mean like kind of like the animator? Do you mean like his features were just like a bit out the, of the way that Yeah, the way that he was walking. She said he had like big goofy feet mm-hmm. and he had a big smile on his face and, and a big red tongue. Like he was just like his tongue was hanging out, and he was like like kind of smiling. He's trying laughing. to act kind of yeah, like like that. he's all cool, you know, like everything's cool. She said he had yellow eyes; they, were, they weren't red, like the way Joe was and his wife were seeing him. And he was like, he's like, oh, he just just big big red nose. He had like his nose was red, you know, like a reddish it's nose. Like a cryptid group, kind of. Yeah, well, you think about a red nose, you're thinking clown or like something. uh you know, that like the child Rudolph would, yeah, yeah, like shoot, like, yeah. yeah. And, and actually that's what she said. She said it was like a Rudolph nose, but then you could tell it was like a dog nose. And as it got closer huh. and she said, she closed her eyes and opened them again. And she said, when she closed her eyes, she saw this, the way it looked like she thought was for real, which was a completely looking demonic looking creature that was just ugly and hideous. And she opened her eyes and it was still there. And she was like, and then it was like, Hey, can I, can I talk to you? you want to be friends? Like it started to communicate with her, not through words, but she said it was in her head. And so, so obviously this thing was talking to her and she said that while this was going on, on the, on the road, she could see cars and stuff driving by. And it wasn't like anybody was seeing this eight foot tall creature. that was just her. And so she said that, you know, this happened to her and which, and she was probably, I I think she was about uh, seven years old at that time. And so she, she, said that this thing was like what she told Joe and, and, her, and her mom, her mommy, that this thing was like telling are your mom and dad home? You know? And she was like, yeah, they're inside. And he's like, he's like, your dad's been very bad. And she was like, what? And she, he was like, your dad's been a very bad man. So I'm going to have to take care of that. And he's, she's like, what do you mean? It was almost like a threat. You know, like she, he's threatening her, telling her, you know, I'm going to do something to your dad. Well, to me, what I gathered from that was like it was a threat that she ran back and told Joe, which added more to his cracking mind frame of mind, you know. And so he he th- this was going on, and then the the other daughter came out. She went inside because she got scared. Told the older the older daughter, and then they both went outside, and they both saw it. Except when the one girl saw it, she said it just kind of looked like blurry, like when something's hot from a distance and it just kind of blurs away and it goes away. That's what she saw. So then she said that this thing, like, it just kind of vanished before their eyes and just kind of turned blurry, you know, whatever, and it went away. And then they they went inside. They told their mom. The mom's, you know, and, of course, later he she told she told Joe, whatever. And Joe, and Joe took it in stride over and over again, just kind of going, like, nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to have to let it go. But he couldn't sleep. He just kept – he said if it wasn't for the insomnia from the dreams or whatever, he would probably have been able to cope you know, he said, because it wasn't really doing anything physical at that point. Which actually is more frightening to me because I feel like, you know, any simple creature or animal can do things physical to you. It's when you mess with the person's peace of mind that I know that there's something demonic or there's something sinister truly to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, 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 when, when I hear that, that's what really freaks me out is that it wouldn't mess with him physically because it doesn't care about that. Well, and also the whole physical thing about it was, it was, I think that this thing had an ability, even if it is a flesh and blood creature, because obviously it is to some degree to be able to interact with the garage and the way it did and all that. What I think is a physical creature that's able to manifest itself spiritually. 
Like it can, like, like, like if you were like me, okay. And I was able to just come out of my body and walk through walls and go and harass someone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this thing was able to, to project itself spiritually. So it's, it's, it's like, what is it? A spiritual being having a physical experience, which is what I think we are. Or, or is it a physical being having a spiritual experience? You know, like it's one or the other, but, but this thing was doing things that were very, uh, of a, of a sadistically spiritual nature. And I'm telling you like, like some of the things were ridiculously evil, like obnoxiously evil, like, like scaring the little, one of the little kids and the, of the friend of the family that came over to for a sleepover and they were, they're brushing their teeth and this thing, the lights went out and they, they saw this wolf like thing just come lunging out head first out of the mirror. And then they close their eyes screaming and they open their eyes and it was gone. So you're terrorizing little kids, you know, and, and it was definitely a wolf like werewolf like entity. Then there was this other incident where Joe was outside and he was gearing up to get, to go on a ride on his, on his motorcycle. And, uh, he forgot something. And so he goes back into the house or whatever to, to, to find the, what the thing was, whatever that he had left. And so he went back inside the house and he hears something go into the garage. And then he turns and he's literally reliving that same experience that happened before he heard this thing in the garage. Then he hears the pounding on the door and he's like, oh my gosh. And for whatever reason, he just decided right then and there, he was going to go open the door and confront this thing. And if it's there, it's there. So he goes to the door, he confront, he opens the door and confronts it with his pistol and there's nothing there. It was, it was nothing. There was nothing. There was no damage. There wasn't anything. And then he was just like, he just said at that point he broke down and was just like, you know, crying to himself. Like, what am I doing? This thing's messing with my mind. So he canceled his trip, you know, then he ended up rescheduling. And when they did go on the, on the bike ride, the, there was this incident that took place. It was a pretty horrific incident that actually mirrored kind of what happened to his son, his oldest son. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened to him in a minute. But what happened was on his, on Joe's bike ride, <clears throat> they were getting near to a town. Um, they were getting near to a rest stop because they were, they were, they were long ways in between towns. And as they were starting to pull in that these two, what, what he said looked like almost like bears when they first came running out into the road, they, they looked, they were that big, you know? And he said that they were completely different animals, like from what he was being terrorized by. Um, but, but they, they looked like, cause they looked very much flesh and blood, but they were not the same creature. They were of the same species, I should say, whatever, whatever it is, you know, this dog man thing. He said they were both black blackish gray, timber wolfish like, but with fluffy hair. Now he said they were very like, like their hair was like, if you blow dried them and they kind of puffed out. Poofed out yeah. yeah. And so he said that these two creatures came scrambling out from underneath these picnic tables. And, and it, he said it was, they were fast, but they were hauling, you know? And so they just, they just gunned it him and his two friends and just kept going on their bikes. And these things scrambled out onto the road and they could see them in their, in their mirrors. And they just, they just pursued them. I mean, and stayed at a steady clip. They had a good lead on them. And they didn't really gain any ground, but they were also moving like 70, 80 miles an hour. So those two things to be able to, 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 to stay at a steady clip and not fall behind until – he said it was a good, you know, like 10 minutes before they tired off, I guess, and just decided to give up. They weren't gaining any ground. So he, he estimated, you know, that they stayed with him for, you know – and he was and his friends, they all pulled off on the road, you know, in the next town over. It was like a, a truck stop. And they were like, did you see that? And they were like, what was that? And, of course, Joe had not told them 
you know, I'm having, I'm being plagued by werewolves, but these two guys that were on the bikes with them, they were just like, you know, did you, they're like, did you see that? You know? And, and they just, they just kept saying that. I didn't know what else to say. They were just like, these were, they were huge. They were just like wolves. And he was like, yeah, yeah. uh, And he, he didn't know what to tell them. Uh, he felt like confessing at that point and telling them, look, they were probably after me, but he was too afraid. And now this was like a, a good 180 miles away from, from where he lived. This was not close by. This was out way out in West Texas. And he said that it, it was like these things were were stalking him. And to appear at that rest stop in kind of an ambush position, you're thinking, how would they know to get there or go there? I mean, this this has to be some sort of supernatural thing that they're doing. Or they're utilizing some sort of portal or something. You know, and so that 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 was his incident. Then now his son had an incident where um you guys know where the salt lick is, the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So right out there near Driftwood, his son was coming back from his girlfriend's house and he was he was riding his bike, his motorcycle, and the whole family likes to to bike or whatever. And so he's riding his motorcycle and this small like he said it looked like like a like a like a skinny wolf, but it was like really, really like like long, like it was tall and long. And he said this like skinny black wolf like creature runs out in front of his bike. At that point he had not had much experiences, like, you know, it's like his dad, he knew the stories and stuff, but his dad wasn't really telling him everything that was going on. And so this thing ran out in front of the road in front of him and his instinct was to like swerve and, you know, and he said that he was started to swerve and, and, and try to miss it. And he said that something just told him, no, just keep going. He's like literally like a voice, like an inner monologue told him, Hey, keep going. Cause if you don't, something's going to happen. So just keep going, keep your eyes on the road. And it was like talking to him. And it said, now speed up. And he said it was like a voice. It literally told him that. And and it wasn't his voice. He said it was almost like a uh, an older man's voice or whatever. And so I, I kind of thought maybe it might have been Abel, like literally telling him that. Because he said it sounded kind of like one of his uncles. And I said, which one? He said, Abel. And I said, wow. Because, you know, the, Adam and Abel were the ones that were deceased. They were the deceased uncles. And so he was driving. And and it was it was crazy because the, this uh, this – thing ran across the road and he almost swerved. And then a few yards past that, he was just getting his bearings, looking over to the left to see what that thing was. Then over to his right, he hears a crash and and a crack, even through the revving of his motorcycle. And he sees this creature with red eyes and, and it's starting to like, like run up onto the road. And then it just goes right behind his bike. And he said that it reached out its paw. Like it's, he had like a paw like hand as, as he described it. And it reached out and he said it almost touched his back tire. And he said that when it did, it made a lunge and then it kind of sl- slowly came to a roll, like it kind of rolled itself up and then flipped. And he said that it kind of hopped up on two legs, almost like a weird looking cartwheel, like an accidental cartwheel, and then just kept running on two legs. And then it got back down on all fours and it kept running after him. But he said that that gave him enough of a push to get get ahead of it. And he said that he couldn't go like two, much more than 50, 60 miles an hour because of the curves on that road. And he said eventually this thing just kind of ran off back into the bush. And then one day him and his dad were talking and and he heard his mom, he had heard his, his mom and his dad talking about what happened to uh, uh, Jojo when he was with his two friends. Uh, one of them's name was Carlos. I talked to that guy. I didn't talk to Rich the other dude, but I talked to Carlos. And so, and Carlos told me his, his story, you know, like same, it matched Joe, Joe's descriptions, everything. So if, if these guys were making it up, they were definitely coordinating it very well. 
And so I was just like blown away by that, you know, and then me and my friend Brad had both talked to them, you know, like I said, Brad's a, a big, a Bigfoot researcher, became a dogman researcher because of the, because of his sighting. So what ended up happening was Carlos said that he had nightmares for like two, two or three months after that. Like he just kept having these weird nightmares of this black, uh, it was just like a black mass though, that would kind of take the form of like a wolf, but on two legs. And he said that it, it, but it actually kind of looked like a different individual than those ones he'd seen. He said that he could spot the mother two in a lineup. He said he'll never forget it, dude. I mean, he thought it was like a cross between a bear, a wolf, and a gorilla. The way he described them, he said they were just like huge. And that they were just gigantic, you know, animals or whatever they were. And then, you know, Joe said that, that multiple times him and his wife were driving along and they would look and see something on the side of the road and it would be like something sticking out. You know, there's so much trees around here, so many, so much woods, so much, it's heavily wooded, you know, and they would just kind of duck, it would duck back into the tree line. And then one day, uh, the, the, the little girl, one of the little girls was like, look, mommy, look. And she's like, and they look, they all three looked and there was one of them just sitting there on all fours with its weird looking arm, like arm hands right there. And they had the, one of the ants with them, uh, it was, uh, you know, Andrew's wife and she was in the back seat and she saw it too. So you had four people witnessing this thing. And then they said it just kind of started to jog alongside the car. Not really, uh, like, like it wasn't interested in him. It was looking straight ahead. Then it kind of turned toward them and then ran, then cut back and ran into the woods. And they said that that lasted about three or four minutes. These things are gunning after them. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's obviously that the, the, these things have a vendetta or something's going on, you know. One of the things that, that he did a little research because his wife wanted to get to the bottom of it. And she, she told me about this. Uh, one of the things that, that I talked to uh, Andrew's wife, I, I actually got to talk to her too. I'd never talked to her before. And I got her stories too. Now I'm going to get into that one day because that's a whole nother ball of wax. But she was born like with the eye. She could see things. She could always see spirits and things like that. And so what happened was they 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 went to her and then there was a culandera that had actually uh, taught Andrew's wife a bunch of stuff. So they she took her to her down at Eagle Pass. And of course they did like the, the ceremony with the, you know, they do the egg and all that, the cleaning, the cleanse. Kind of like what your mom used to do, Tony, the cleaning. You mean with the egg? With the egg, yeah. Remember where like they would they would boil an egg and rub it on you, and uh, if it like went black on the inside where the yolk was at, then they would put it under the bed for some reason. My mom would do it, but I would never understand why. Well, yeah, because it, it's supposed to clean your aura, cleans uh, your body, whatever. Really, rid you. I've of always saw dark, it as like even if energy, it did, even if it didn't work, it always made me feel like it worked because you would see that yolk with like the black spots all around it, and you're like, I'm fixed, I'm healed now. <laughs> Anything <laughs> I had is gone. You're good. Got a clean. Slate for some more sinning. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, time to go to the gambling hall where the dancing girls and the whiskey. Oh wait, that's that's a different. That's gun smoke. Never mind. So what 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 happened was they did this cleanse, okay, uh, and on her, and then they kind of regressed her. And so this was JoJo's wife, Linda. And so what Linda told me was that when they did this cleanse, she went home that night, and she. The the the, the that I told her she's good, you're going to see your past you're going to see what happened to you, and so when when she, what happened was they were she was sleeping over at a friend's house with her older sister and it was actually uh, the best friend of the older of her older sister and that family was real close to her family and so her family had gone out of town to go Christmas shopping because they lived way out in the country and near a small town so they had gone to the next biggest town. 
Now that was uh, that that next biggest town where this took place was right outside of Amarillo. That's where she grew up, and so they they had gone to Amarillo and they lived like, you know, further away, you know, and so they they stayed the night at the friends or whatever, and they ended up having a UFO encounter. They were jumping on a trampoline in the backyard, and they see this like meteorite looking thing come flying in like I guess into the atmosphere and then it kind of stopped and it hovered and then it got real close to them real fast and they saw that it had like greenish blue lights going around it and then it landed in, in in like two or three lots over and so they jumped off the trampoline and they went to look you know through the fence and they saw and for whatever reason they weren't afraid and they just started they just were were attracted to it so they just started walking towards it and they said this was like 11, 12 at night and the parents were asleep <laughs> and this was wintertime and they had kind of snuck out and were just like the parents were sound sleepers or whatever, either that or maybe they like to, you know, imbibe. I don't know, but they were out. And so one of the, the daughters had actually gone inside, uh, the, one of the, the kids had gone inside. I think it was the, uh, the daughter's friend to see if the parents were awake to show them, but they, she couldn't wake them up or something. So they, they were sound sleepers. They were out. So she's like, yeah, they're asleep, you know, so let's go check it out. So they went and they, and they checked it out. And when they got close to it, they, they, this creature steps out from behind, uh, like a little shed and it was like nine feet tall. And she said that it was canine looking and it, and it, and it, it started to talk to them and it said, what do you, what do you want? And, and they, they said, we wanted to see your ship. And he's like, sure. And then he's like, where are you from? And he points up and he says, up there. And then they they all kind of focused on this star. And he said, that's where I'm from. And then they heard, they saw like the shadow of something moving around inside the ship, but they didn't uh, on this little air, the spacecraft was like a, a, a just a stereotypical UFO, like, like a shape, you know, like, like a disc. And she said that, that this, there was something moving around inside of it and it kind of spooked them because they heard it growling. And then this large creature got their attention by kind of making a pop, like a noise, like a pop, like it moved its hips or something. And she said that they both, uh, or all three of them, focused on this this creature. And it said, any more questions? And it says, what are you doing here? And he says, I'm here to feed. And when it said that, it frightened them. And they all began to run back to the house. And of course, they went back into the house and they started trying to wake up the parents. And the parents were just like out. And she said that, as that at that point, she, they all went to the living room, and then she looked over. She was messing with an Etch-a-Sketch. And she said she looked over. Next thing you know, the other, the, the, her older sister and her friend were both asleep on the couch. They were just out. And uh, she, the, the, they, they were 14-year-olds, and she, she was like 11. So the, she, yeah, and so that was all she remembers. And then she said that next thing you know, she got real drowsy, and she went to sleep. And then the, the, she remembers waking up, and, the, and she was on the floor. They were all on the floor of their, uh, sister's friend's house, uh, they're in her house, in her bedroom, I'm sorry, on the floor of the bedroom in the house. And so that was a very weird incident. And she said that that was the only thing that she can, you know, that she recalled, um, having anything to do with these creatures until she went, you know, she met Jojo. And then of course, like, like Joe, she'd heard the stories from his brothers and his uncles and all the weird stuff that they talked about and how there were these creatures and all that. And she said the same thing. She never bought into it, didn't really believe it. She you know, it was like, and didn't, and didn't even know that that incident, didn't even remember that incident happening. Well, she phoned her sister and she asked her, she's like, do you remember this incident? And the sister said, yeah. 
And she's like, well, why haven't we ever talked about it? And she's like, we've talked about it several times. And she's like, you always just kind of get a blank stare on your face and you don't say anything. Well, it just checks out. Yeah. She checked out. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, and they're still friends to this day and, and actually neighbors, uh, her sister is still friends and neighbors. They live in that same town in, in that rural town and they are still friends with that same girl. And they, she said, we've, we've talked about it, you know, and you just kind of, you know, you space out and you don't say anything. You just sit there. And she said, one time you, your head started kind of bobbing back and forth and we thought you were having a seizure. So we just, you know, I just never brought it up again, but she's like, it came up several times. I mean, that seems weird to like see something like that and then just never bring it up again and be like, oh, well, we've been traumatized for life. I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts on that though? Uh, did they see anything when they were running away? Like, was that big creature? Like, did they see anything? I know you said that they saw like something in, like moving around, but they never got a better. Yeah, there, there was a second. You're, you're talking about there was a second entity. So there, there was another one that there they was another one saw, that, that came out, but it was a lot smaller. And for okay. some reason, they said that it it looked like uh, it was subservient to the bigger one. That just that's the impression you think like that an she apparent got. Child situation or more like a uh, subordinate? no, like a subordinate. You know, okay. and th they said that this one though, the second one was was wearing like a a type of tunic or something. The way she described it, to, but she, not not her words, but the way she described it was like it was a tunic. Very weird. It was blue. She said, "You remember that?" What, what the, the did they describe the ship at all? Or? Yeah, it was like an. It was like a just like I said, like a like a UFO, like a what you would like the disc, mm -hmm. but it had like the windows all the way around it, little little weird looking uh, windows. They were kind of mirrored, but they were like a bluish green light coming out of them. One thing I don't understand, or <clears throat> or one thing that I find very creepy or disturbing is that. Okay, this thing, this entity pointed to a star and said, I'm from there, right? So the nearest star is light years away. And it said that it's here It's here on Earth to feed. Mm -hmm. So you mean to tell me that, that between a star light years away and this planet, there's no prey? It might mean the, something the, the, else. There's no prey animals, or maybe we're just like a special delicacy. Maybe humans just taste really, really well, good to whatever these things are. You're you're thinking in like we're the, the best food best. sense, yeah. But we don't even know what they what I, I when I see when we're talking about these creatures, I think these are like an intelligent level that I, I, that like even different from just these primal ones that we sometimes find. So we don't even know what these are searching for when they say feed, and 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 they probably come through some sort of stargate. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I would assume you'd have to. I mean, I mean would, would you, would, I mean, I understand maybe like, you know, you want like a good burger, so you might go a little farther <laughs> for like a Dairy Queen or, or a P. Terry's, but I mean, that's, that's in Texas. I don't know where uh, people have their burgers, but I, I'm not going to travel like light years away and be like, oh, I, I want to try some humans. Yeah. I, I think like there's, there's a specific something that they mean by feed and it might not just even be them themselves, but it might be like an energy source or something that those are looking for. Who yeah. knows? But like these dimensional ones, that I think they they might be a different type. Who knows? Well, I know this, and and, and I feel that I'm going to be doing a show on on mantis alien abductions because I got some material from some people that that were abducted by these mantis creatures, and one of the encounters was was there were these dogman like creatures that were with this mantis, and they were actually holding this woman down as this mantis creature like observed her with its weird looking eyes. And she said she looked up and either side of her were these two wolf-headed looking just monstrous creatures. And so 
when she said that, I was like, she's like, yeah, I never really believed in the dog man phenomenon, but but uh, one time during one of my abductions, you know, she's like, I saw these things and they were with these these mantis type creatures and they didn't speak. They just kind of were, were doing what they were told, you know, or helping out, I guess I should say. But yeah, I've heard I've heard of that recently, not too not too many times. Like after since that celestial Sasquatch episode we did, we had people reaching out talking about Dogman and Sasquatch being extraterrestrial or ultra terrestrial or interdimensional. You know, I, I don't I don't know. I'm not saying that this is all what this is, but whatever this thing was that was messing with Joe, it could manipulate. And what they found out too, uh, Andrew's, you know, which is Joe's brother, one of his older brothers, Andrew's wife. Uh, found out through some of her, like her friend is into transcendental meditation, does all this different stuff. You know, I can't tell you a whole lot about like, you know, because uh, I've never done that. But they, she did this like a, sort of a remote view thing, you know, and she found out that these things that were what she claims that were on this property and were, they were, they, they did come from another place. They do live in another realm, but they're able to tra travel back and forth according, according to her. And what they did was they stayed here, okay, and they interbred with humans. And then these humans, you know, um, were basically, they had children, and their children could be like human or they could be like them. This is what this lady said, okay? She could be literally just talking through her rear end, for all I know. She could just be like taking the theory, but the, the, to me, this is what she claims she saw. Okay, but this could just be, it's just her theory on it. And she said, uh, you know, or her belief as she claims, but I take it for it with a grain of salt could be a theory, but it sounded pretty cool. And they, they bred with, with humans and the humans, they come out either looking like that or they come out human and the human carries the gene, but these, and, but, and then the creatures, when they look like that, they, they send them out into the world and that that's what Stripes was. Stripes was actually an outcast. And the mother was was literally able to to uh, she was like an in between she could shift, and so the mother was killed for trying to keep it in in the family or whatever, and so that's what Abel found. Now there's another theory though that came up later on that these things had had they're not interdimensional anything like that, they were just living on that property, and that they. Did they were human in nature though? They did have human. They were humans, and they were able to change. They were able to shift back and forth. But that somewhere down the line, through this shape shifting process, which was black magic, they were using. Okay, they were like a bruja could create a shapeshifter like a lachusa, you know. Mm -hmm. And so they created the uh, the, the ability to shape. They created one of these things to the ability to shapeshift, and it was a bruja's child that they started with. And then it it shapeshifted, and then it bred with a with a human, and then they were able to shift, and then they got stuck. Some of them got stuck like that, and sometimes they would get stuck in weird, different transformations. And that stripes was unfortunately the the child of two of these unholy unions because they're not supposed to breed with one another because then you end up with something you know. That's Do you not, think that's why he was weaker and kind of mangy and when he diseased? was young? Yeah, they was left out in the elements. Yeah, and I think he was left there to die. I think his mother had been killed, and I think he was left there to die. But well, do you think like maybe you know how like sometimes the runt of the litter like they they are very malnourished and they very they struggle a lot, but sometimes they grow up to be like. Strong, uh, strong, very strong, because, you know, sometimes that sacrifice and that, you know, are the struggles that you deal with make you a stronger person throughout uh, uh, overall. 
do you think it's a similar thing to where like that those were just like his afflictions and everything but because he got help from abel like he was able to actually survive them because i think do you think that maybe they left him because he was actually supposed to die um yeah like maybe I mean, th- like they saw those things and they were like yeah we we don't want this spreading to the rest of us so they just left them well, out because like that. Th- that thing would never be able to breed yeah because it, it, according to them mm-hmm. because if it did the the human they wouldn't be able to shift it would be no point in having him you, yeah you but couldn't, you I, couldn't hide your identity i i agree with that but i also don't feel like they would let him back in and be a pack leader and, be, and become the alpha no because he's not these were humans I'm talking about stripes. Though. I know, but these were humans that, mm-hmm. that, that according to another theory I okay. heard, was and this this woman that told this theory. Her name was Rosa, but she she was she was she's one of the fa- she's one of the cousins of Jerry and, and Joe and them. And so she her theory was that 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 these things were humans. And not theory that was her belief, like what she what she claimed that she saw in a vision, and that these things were like they, that's what that's what stripes was. He was the, he was the unholy union of these things that had shifted and stayed that way because they altered their DNA literally. And they're able to do this through a type of what we would consider black magic, but it's really just like what I would call black science yeah. uh, and the way that they, they, they did this and they were manipulative. They, they, they were gene manipulated, you know? And so they were able to do it through, through, you know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, that pen and paper RPG werewolf apocalypse. How uh, you can be, yeah, bo- yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how you can be born as a medis. Which like the result of of two uh, shapeshifters breeding when and and the the offspring is called a metis and it's it's kind of it's kind of like a deformed werewolf and they're like the least physically capable and they're kind of like outcasts they're, they're they're like like bastard children you know they're not supposed to exist. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I was thinking about the same thing actually when you brought that up, you know. But uh, yeah, theories are just it's a deep rabbit hole. I'm trying to wrap my mind around all that, and I just can't come up with any theories just yet. Well, here's the thing, Ryan, uh, if you're going to be on Paranormal Roundtail, you have to understand that me, Wolf, here are experts on all things paranormal. We've uh, we've already <laughs> declared it. I see him as an expert, and he sees me. So we it's already been proven, unfortunately. They've achieved paranormal knowledge nirvana. Exactly. We have a perfect circle here that really just works out for us. And Anthony's there, too, to uh, be there. But uh, he's so there he's there to be <clears throat> gripey and complain to, and get known to us. So yeah. when we say theories, it, it's really just you know us letting people know the possibilities, and we let you guys decide because it, it would be unfair if we did it as experts. We know the truth. We're just not going to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Until, we, we, until, we, until you until you figured out yourself, young grasshopper. Think of it like this, all right? If we sat there and solved the puzzle with you, where's the fun in it? You know, we want to give you a good that's time. That's true. So, yeah. Well, the, the truth is, Ryan, we none of us know crap. Exactly. <laughs> the truth, we <laughs> we're we, an expert we, in we that. Don't <laughs> we don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it, what, what, what was it? What could it be? Now, here's another element I'm going to talk about on the show tonight, and I was going to save this one, but Abel had other in, encounters with stripes, at, and it was over the years he had had that last one where he had seen it in the farmhouse or whatever. And uh, I apologize for always saying whatever. It's a, it's a bad habit. Well, they're drinking to it, so. Oh, whatever. Well, you're drinking your non-alcoholic beverage of choice. And so what happened was he, w- years went by and he had a vision. And in this vision, like he was, he was like sitting on the porch and he said he kind of, for some reason, just kind of stared into the sun and he just started feeling like faint, you know? And then he was like, just, he saw on the horizon, this blue flaming light. And Stripes was kind of in the middle of it. 
And then Stripe slowly began to sink down. And then when he laid down, that blue light kind of went down with him. And there were all these little creatures. He looked like little men on the horizon. He said little monitos. And they were like all around Stripes, but they were all like little werewolves. And they all just spread out, spread out over the land like ants. And he said that uh, that was it. And, and then he said he knew immediately what that meant. It meant that Stripes was dead and that there was no buddy that was going to rein these creatures in and give them any kind of guidance or stop them from harassing or being vile and mean because that was their true nature. And that's what very he, symbolic. yeah, he very, he very much thought that too. He thought that that was it, but he did see stripes. Now, now that's a, the phenomenon we were talking about, Anthony. Oh, you, you mean like the, the ghost of stripes? Yeah, because they're, they're, they think he was a ghost because for a long time, Abel would see him. Sometimes he would be, he would see him out near his barn and he would see them, him just kind of standing there looking at him, you know, and he always had these like kind of forlorn look on his face, you know, and, and kind of a uh, crestfallen for whatever reason. And then he would just kind of fade away. And then one time he saw him, like he was driving out of his driveway and he stepped on the brakes and he could have swore he saw him laying in the road and he got out of his vehicle and he was staring right at him. And then he said he kind of lifted his head and he just kind of wrinkled, like the way he said, he just kind of wrinkled up and disappeared. And uh, that happened a few times. And I then, think what that is, is him protecting Abel. Yeah, I think he did. I think he did too, because he said that a couple times there were weird things and noises and bumps around his house and he knew that Stripes was gone. But that once, he th he thinks, he believes that Stripes actually manifested. Now, this is what was told to me by Andrew's wife was that she, that Abel told her right before he died that Stripes had defended him, you know, like etherically, like spiritually, like he had fought off one of these other dogmen had gotten too close to his house. And he said that he heard a whimpering, whining and like a growling noise. And he looked out of his window, his bedroom window and by, by this old oak tree where Stripes used to play, like he was holding him down and biting him, biting something. And he said that thing got up and ran and flipped over a fence and was gone. And he said that he didn't even get a real good look at it. He said, for all he knows, it might've just been a really large dog, but he was fairly convinced that it was one of these dogmen. And he did, they don't call them dogmen, but these, uh, hombre lobos as they call them. And he said that, that he looked and he saw stripes for a second. And then he, then he went to pick, put his uh, glasses on, you know, to get a better look. And he said he was gone, but he said he knew he, it was him. He goes, I, I recognize him anywhere, you know? Until Abel died, he really didn't wear prescription glasses. He had pretty good eyes, so he just was going to try to get a better look. That's, uh, it's not like something where he saw, oh, uh, Mr. Magoo. No, he he had good eyesight. I, I asked about that. The people were very healthy. They live on a farm, a ranch, you know, for yeah, years, and they eat right. They, they work know, all the time, too. Work so, all the time, yeah. yeah. They live to be in their 80s I and 90s. I mean, God rest his soul, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was working until the very last minute. Yeah, him and Adam both, they yeah. did. You know, Adam died on his tractor. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, That's just how they were raised. I mean, they wouldn't have it in any other way, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good ethics. And, and of course, we know from working with these people that, that they, they're very hardworking people, you know. And, and Jerry's, just, you know, he owns that company. He's always working. He works very hard. And uh, Joe works for him, and, and so does Robbie. But uh, it, it was a good thing we were able to meet these people and get to know them, you know. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, the thing about Joe, too, is that, you know, the, these encounters went on and on, uh, just, just little small things here and there, you know, nothing else that was too dramatic, except there was one other encounter that he had. Um, he was working at a job. It took a while for him to get back to where he would work by himself. He was working a, a two-man job, <clears throat> and this happened out near uh, Lockhart, Texas. And he was out there doing a job, 
There again, he was doing a job for a friend. He said, maybe I should just stop helping friends and that won't be attacked. But he said that this uh, this friend of his, they were working, and then he said that the, the friend was like, I'm going to go run into town real quick and, and grab some water burger or grab a, a burger or whatever. Uh, I don't know what, what what he was going. He didn't say Whataburger, but I'm assuming that's what it was. In Texas. In yeah. Texas, it's Whataburger. Yeah. And so uh, he said, I'm going to go grab us a burger. And so the other guy said, I'll ride with you because he was tired or whatever. And they had to go and run into town and get some some something else too. So he said they were gone for a while. He goes, wait, 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 how long are y'all going to be gone? Because it wasn't, it wasn't dark yet. And he said, you guys, you know, don't, don't stay gone too long. And he said, sure enough. It started getting dark and he was like, oh my gosh. And these dudes were gone and he was like calling them and they're like, we'll be there soon. And he's way out in the middle of the country by himself. So he thought, you know what? I need to relax. And now he does have to take a prescription now to, because he's got anxiety real bad. And so he said he took his prescription and he sat down on the couch. He said, next thing you know, he was asleep. And uh, he said the TV came on real loud, just blaring loud. And when he opened his eyes, he he just like the TV, the, the, there was a guy on a show, this was so weird, and he said it was like an old black and white program, and he couldn't remember exactly who it was on the program, but he said it was a famous actor, and he couldn't remember if it was Gary Cooper or, or uh, what's the other guy from It's a Wonderful Life, he said his name too, I forgot his name, but uh, anyways, uh, Jimmy Stewart, I think it's Jimmy Stewart, he goes, it was either Jimmy Stewart or Gary Cooper, one of those guys, and he was like, look over there, and he said he got the guy kind of looks to the left, and he said that he looked to his right, you know, which would have been that the actor's yeah, left. left. And he yeah. said he looked out the window and the, the, there was this thing. He was, he was said, this is not a dream. This was wide awake. And he said, there was this thing that just walked by the window. And he said it had like really long mane on its back. And it was a, a different creature than the one that had met, had harassed him when he was uh, doing the job out near Wimberley. And he said that he saw it walk right by the window and he was like, whoa, what the heck? And so he jumped up. And, uh, you know, he didn't know what to do. The back door was wide open. Was there, an, uh, was, did they take the only vehicle? Or was there another? Yeah. Vehicle? Yeah. They, they took the work, the truck, you oh, know, the no. vehicle, they all came rolled together. So they, they took the vehicle. And so they were doing this job. Cause this was actually, uh, a, uh, what do you call it? One of those, they were going to re- resell or whatever, like flip, a flip. Uh, flip. Yeah. And so there was no other vehicle. And he said that, that, that he saw it clear as day. And they, they, they pulled back into the driveway right then. When, and he was just standing there frozen. And then they, they came in kind of joking, talking, laughing. And he was like, tell them, shh, be quiet. You know, there's something in the backyard. And they were like, oh, okay, whatever. And, and when when the one friend who's worked with them before had heard this story about how this thing tried to attack him, and he, he didn't really know what to believe. But then th- they were also mutuals with that guy, Carlos, that was on the bike ride with him. So he did kind of believe because Carlos told him what happened to them. So then he's like, so you think it's one of those things? He goes, I know it is. I just saw it. It was like brown and it brownish black and it walked in front of the door, back, you know, back door. And he's like, why is the back door wide open? He goes, I don't know. Maybe the thing opened the door. I don't know. He said, right then they hear this loud growl, like a roar coming from the backyard. And he said it might've been his imagination at that point because it scared him so bad. But he said, I could have swore the, 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 the house shook. And he said, we all felt it like in our chest. And he said that the other guy got so scared, he dropped the, the, the bag of food and just laid there on the ground, you know. And the other dude said that he had like a bad stomach ache from it and chest pains. And Joe said the same thing. He said that the next day they all had like sore throats and they felt like the, or a, like a pain in their throat, you know, and in their necks. And he said that it was weird. And he said that they all just, they, they got, they picked up their friend. They all just ran out the front door. And as they were pulling out and they were getting ready to drive, this thing ran right up to the truck. And he said that n- that nobody even looked 
t- like nobody looked at it. Like they just, they just all stared straight ahead. Like just like, in, like almost like in an agreement mentally that not look at it. And they just drove away. And he was like, did you see? He goes, yeah, what that crap was right there. Yeah, I saw it. And he was like, <laughs> I didn't look at it. I just ignored it, but I saw it in, you know, in my peripheral. And he's like, what was that? And he was like, I don't know. It's one of these things. So he's pretty convinced that they're, they were following him. And eventually he moved and now he lives further, like he lives closer to San Antonio and, and more toward the city. Um, and you know, so he moved way to South San Antonio to get away from these things because he, you know, he said that since he's been living down there, he hasn't been harassed. He lives in a suburban neighborhood now and he hasn't really haven't had any problems. Seems like that the, these things wait till they're isolated to, to start harassing To make them. their move. Yeah. yeah. It's like a family curse or something maybe. Yeah. And, and, and it could stem from, from all that stuff that went on, you know, back with, cause it's, but the same thing is it's, if it was family, just a bloodline, then that would be one thing. But you know, you got to realize this is happening to Shane too, who's a neighbor of theirs out there in the Hernandez ranch area. So when you got Shane and, and all the problems that he's had now, I'm going to go through eventually, we're going to go through more and more episodes and we're going to talk about the experiences of all these different people that have, that have had these experiences out there. Um, they're just normal people that are not interested in fame or, or being, you know, they're just, they just want to work their jobs and live their lives. Yeah, that's why they wouldn't even let us use their real names. Yeah. And, and, and we, I had a couple of them on my Facebook at one time, you know, and, and I had, I, I, I told them to, to get off the Facebook because I was afraid people might find them, you know, through, bothers them. even mean, though they, you know, they, they were right there. I mean, they were on my Facebook for a long time and they were real people. I mean, uh, they had their real names on there. I mean, and so Nobody, you know, ever picked up on who they were, and that's not just for them. The, the last thing we want is anyone to bother any of our guests. We, we uh, love our anonymity. Like if you, we appreciate those who want to come up and talk on here, and you know, be very forthwith with their uh, their and stories open about it and, and open. But we also, you know, the reason why we're here is because we want to help those who can't do that and who don't have the who don't want to be out there and who don't want to put their public information out there. Where we have it on our uh, website all the time is that we're here to tell the stories that you don't really feel comfortable doing. Yeah, and and we're and we're we're cool. Even even when people do give me their real names, a lot of times I don't. We don't use it. Like, yeah. but we'll go over it and we'll just. Be, there's no point in telling it because we'll, I'll ask them. Do you want me to? know? they'll kind of go. Uh, and then I'll just be like you know what? Don't worry it's, about it's it. Better it's better just sorry. safe than sorry. We don't yeah. even. But because some people are cool with it, but like we ate dinner with with a guy yeah. you know, from, from Colorado and nice guy, nice guy. And and he was like, I'm, I'm going to give you my story. And he, I think he's actually going to come on the show and tell his amazing story, but he wants to, to, to use a different name because he works for a big company. And he's like, he's worried about that. He was here in business and folks, if you're ever in the Austin area or in central Texas or whatever, and you, and you want to eat dinner with us or look me up or whatever, um, you know, just just hit me up if you're if you're a fan, you know, of the show, and you want to eat dinner, you want to hang out or something. I'm up, I'm up for that. You know, if I'm not doing anything, uh, I try to be open and personable and friendly with my guests and with my uh, listeners. We've gotten together with with like you know, a few guests and and our few uh, listeners. I mean, and we've gone out and done things with people. Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that you know we're such amazing people, we are actual people, so we don't. 
I know I know it will be a little difficult coming up to you know us, but we appreciate it. And, You're uh, gonna be so starstruck. Exa- I didn't want to say that because it sounds a little conceited, but yes, I know that it would be difficult to be blinded by our aura of brightness and expert to <laughs> good God. <laughs> but anyway, like like, like uh, Wolf said, you know we we're not so stuck up that we're against you know meeting people like that. And I, I was wearing my PRT shirt and. Uh, I love going to the post office and they see and they they recognize me and they and I'll go in there sometimes when uh, you you want me to send in uh the what's it called the the, the giveaway the, the giveaway yeah the giveaway stuff and I'm li- I go in there and I hear them listening to the show and then they recognize me and it, it feels good so uh it definitely is a boost of ego sometimes when I'm having a bad day to know So that. you're telling me people at the post office know you well, they don't know me specifically, but they know I'm on the show. I mean, they 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 because you told I walk them because you told to, them because <laughs> you told them. Don't don't say it's on me. Oh, you're talking about the postal annex. Yes, yes, the, yes absolutely. I, Shout out to them, by the yeah. way. Like, oh yeah, you're that sleepy guy on the show. Yeah, I'm the one who. Uh, I'm the other guy. That's usually. Yeah. Also, yeah. shout out to the girl at Target. Uh, oh my gosh, my wife was supposed to be here tonight, and she had her name. We were going to shout out to her because she carded us at Target, and we were like, oh my gosh. I was like, do we look young? And she was like, not really. And I'm like, what? She's like, I'm just doing my job. <laughs> and I was like, she's like, you're really just creepy old people. Anyways, no, nah, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that, but she did. She, I said, do we look like we're, you know, we need to be carded? And she's like, no, not really. And I'm like, darn. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know whether she thought she was being polite or not. She's a young girl, but she was just trying to be doing her job. And, and we were like, you know what? I'm gonna give you a shout out on the show. And I gave her a business card and she's like, oh, you're in the paranormal show. I was like, yeah. So she was all like, oh, that's cool. I'd like to check it out. So. Wow. So you lied to a poor target girl who was just doing her job. Hmm. Uh, how did I lie, sir? Oh, I thought you were going to give a better shout out than that. I mean, you, you didn't even mention anything. Can't that remember was, her name. I can't remember her exactly name. It was started so. with an L. That's all I remember. <laughs> If she's listening, well, she'll be like, she, hey, that was me. Yeah, I was going to say, if she listens, she knows who she is. Yes, okay. exactly. My, my wife was the one that had that information, and, and she had a lot of stuff she wanted to talk about, too. Um, yeah, but it was she, unfortunate. I mean, she but, couldn't make it. Her back, she tried, and, and Ryan can attest to this. We all know that she she started, we did first, like, what, 15 minutes of the show, guys? And, yeah. And, and we had to start over because she- You guys missed a lot of jokes on that. I mean, I had some hitters on those 15 minutes. Not really, but that's what- yeah, great. Yeah, Ryan was there. He, he can't <laughs> yeah, to it. Actually, you know what, Ryan? Y'all did. I'm just messing with you, dude. You guys did, but but uh, it's too bad. Yeah. I mean, but, w- I would rather her be at home and be safe and, you know, be relaxed. She was yeah, a lot of people. Like she, she I could just see there and see her just, you know. She, she was afraid of disappointing everybody. And I was, yeah. like, I was like, you did, honey, but it's okay. And I just yeah. drove off. <laughs> I was like, I was just joshing her. Yeah, I mean, I, you guys came back pretty quick, so I'm assuming you just left her, you know, down the street again at the Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, you, you can walk home; it's four miles. What are you crying about? Yeah, oh, broken her, back. Yeah, okay. her back is hurting, not her legs. So. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like you're supposed you're supposed to help me pick up this pile of bricks. Hey, hey, hey! Fifty fifty. It's an equal partnership. Okay. Exactly. My back was hurting a little bit too. You I'm get just these saying. pallet bricks, and when the next time we have to grab a pallet bricks, I got it. I promise. She's, she's actually going to be building my house for me. That's what, people at home are like, "We're not going to listen to Josh Turner no more. He's a horrible misogynist, a horrible husband." Yeah, horrible. So Ryan, terrible person altogether. Terrible person altogether. Ryan, let me ask you. You, you know, you been pretty quiet you now about, but you said you had some questions for me. So what do you got? You want to throw them at me? You know, it's funny because we were actually talking about this while you were bringing Nelly home. You kind of rendered my questions moot, man. Oh, really? 
Yeah, we yeah, were. Yeah, I was going to ask about stripes, but yeah, no we, me and him were talking about like where we didn't want to like have the same questions and you know go back and forth and like mm-hmm. ruin it for each other. So we just uh, discuss what our questions were, and we decided that you know stripes uh, was very important, and that we felt like in in, th- in this particular moment that that was a question that we really want to bring up about like what was going on with his. Um, you know, yeah, his, we were theorizing like malnutrition. Yeah, and malnutrition. And his genealogy. What was going on. Exactly. Yeah, and and then, I have a question about stripes. Obviously, on the Hernandez Ranch, there's a population of these things outside of stripes, or including stripes. So, were they aware of any offspring that he had? Yeah, actually, yeah. Because if if you go and you listen, I think it's one thirty six or one thirty seven. I, I haven't listened to them recently, but you guys have. So, I mean, you yeah. can tell me there there was there was a story that I I covered where uh, Stripes was with a mate, and he did have a litter of of, uh, little... That answered one of our questions. Yeah, and I believe I told that story. I think it was where where Abel was was deer hunting, or he was out turkey hunting. I can't remember exactly, but he he told me he ducked into a barn, and and they were in there. And he said that there was... Oh, yeah. Because it was raining. He said that it was raining, and he Mm -hmm. said he he felt his presence. Like He said that there was a very strong spiritual connection between him and this creature, but he did. He did have to admit that that, that he was an anomaly. He was not. Uh, they were not nice to people, and he believed that they were very much on the menu, and that stripes kind of created a Pax Romana, if you will, where they didn't really mess with them, and there was a good twenty, thirty years of peace where they didn't really mess with anybody. So he was like a werewolf, Octavian or Augustus. Augustus, yeah. Um, but he did, he did say that after that was over with, there was a lot of stuff that went on. Now here's an interesting story and I'm going to get into this eventually, but I'll give you a little teaser because the bull, do you remember the bull that, 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 that cornered, uh, yeah, Robbie, Robbie? Uh, yeah. The bull that's Simon. scary enough to scare away Oh my dog gosh. Man. Simon is, is now he's an entity unto himself. Uh, th- there was a lot of stories that I got about Simon. He kept coming up, you know, and there was like, like, uh, Linda had said that, which was Andrew's uh, wife. She'd said something about, uh, about Simon and, and then Jerry had said something about Simon. And I said, what's the deal with this bull? So I started after the first or second, third interview, I started asking everybody else about that. If they had any stories about this bull, uh, because Noah, Noah told me this story now, now it's, it, it, you know, and it's going to take away from when, when I tell his encounters that he's had since the, the, the whole stripes thing ended, um, Noah told me that he came outside uh, to check on his bull one night because he heard a bunch of noise, and he that Simon <clears throat> literally was was goring a uh, one of these dogman type creatures. He said he had it up against the fence post, and it was stuffed underneath, like its leg was broken, and you could see it. It was caught underneath the barbed wire, and that bull was just hammering him. And he said that there were what he what looked like a couple of more that were coming up over the 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 horizon. You know, there's a hill right there, and that they were looked like they were coming to try to help it. And then he opened fire on them because, of course, he's he's a gun nut. He's a fanatic. You know, yeah. I mean, I was talking to him with Scorpion, and he all he talked about was guns. You know, we were like, wow. Okay, Is this the yeah. one where like halfway through he just starts firing off? Yeah, he started shooting, <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there, in the, and I'm going it. down Mopac. I'm like, oh my god, what was that? He's like, that's an AR-15. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I get that, but why? I mean, I'm driving. I'm just like, I had to pull over. My ears almost burst. You know, I'm in rush hour traffic talking to this maniac. You know, no, no offense to you, know, if you're listening, which I don't think you will be because you don't have a TV. So you probably didn't listen maniac to this. Maniac is a strong word. I think he's just, you know, an old soul. No, his family tells me that he's pretty. Oh, yeah, he's a crazy one. He's a crazy Vietnam the, vet, but oh, he's, okay. he's pretty. 
So, so he said he opened well, fire. He just on wants him. to be left alone. So. Yeah, he does yeah. very much so, and he's very paranoid too. But you know, he opened fire, and these things they ran off. And he said that 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 he went out there and he called Simon. Simon came to him because Simon is like a pet to him, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's a very it's a prize bull. He's sired a lot of offspring. He's had like you know several prize bulls that he's been bred for, you know. And so he's an amazing animal. But this. Uh, dogman creature was there, and he said he went back inside uh, to get a big to get a better flashlight, whatever you know. And he came out, and he was he had his stuff, and he was going to inspect this creature, and it was gone. So it either managed to get away, or the mother ones came and rescued it. Yeah, they but probably dragged it away. Yeah, and he said that that this wasn't the only thing that had happened. Simon also was responsible for killing a horse. Uh, there was a horse. There were these two. Uh, Cowboys, you know, you know, no, no, you know, you've been to the rodeo with me, Anthony. You've seen how they do it, and they and they and they were trying to get the the bull to correct to get him to, to to maneuver him to go to another pen to get him to another area so they could take him to breed. So it was always a big chore, and so it's something that Simon didn't want to do. He didn't like getting into the uh, he didn't like getting put in the corral and then sent into the uh, sh- the 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 trailer. There was always like a big drama with this bull. He's just like he runs around and he hits the trailer and tries to hit everybody. And so it was a big chore, a big task. So he had to have these two cowboys that would come out there and they'd, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, get him in there, you know. And uh, so Simon decided to, to start kicking like like he was like he was being ridden. Like he was, you know, like, you know how, bucking, how high their, their was, back legs, yeah. he was bucking. So he bucked one of those horses in the neck. And it, but it did, didn't kill that horse, but it knocked him onto the other horse and it broke that horse's leg. And when Simon turned, he was going for the guy. The cowboy got up off the horse and he was like, oh my gosh, you know, he's now he's prone. And this bull just charged right at him. And the horse tried to get up at the last minute, but its leg was busted in it. Before it went back down, Simon gored it right in there and, and just killed it. I mean, so this bull was just, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. They've seen him just, you know, tear up all kinds of stuff, go after other bulls. You know, he's torn, gotten into pastures and chased horses around. You know, he's, he's just a, he's a bad boy. I mean, you know, and, and they gave me stories after story after this, of this bull. So I thought I would tell that, that, you know, the interesting part about Simon, he, he was, he was such a villain. Uh, he's dead now. Like he died recently, but he was so, he, he lived a long time for a bull. I mean, it was, it was like 15, 16 years. And I mean, in you know, hard at work being a being a mean, mean son of a gun. You bet those dog men are happy he's gone now. Yeah, and and that was one thing that Noah said that he kind of had him right there as a buffer. You know that they would never really come out and mess with him too much, and he thought one of them was trying to sneak through, and that's what he said. You know, and he said that he killed it. And when I asked Jerry about that story, and Jerry says, "Well, that's what he claims," you know, but he goes, "I, I don't, I never saw it. I didn't see anything about it." But then again, Noah's a, a weird guy, you know, so we only have his word on that. But I mean. He didn't give me any real fantastical stories out of everybody else. It was just that one and one other that he had that he was going to share with me. But and uh, what are we doing on time? Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Yeah. So I can go ahead and I'll give you Noah's other encounter that he had. He claims to have shot one of these things. Um, he was driving along, uh, going down this gravel road that, that, that kind of cuts off, and then you kind of go up this little hill, and then you come down to this little valley, and that's how you get to, to where he lives. And that part, he comes through the back way. And uh, so he was going down that gravel road, and he said he was hauling, man. He was, he was, he was drunk. He had been drinking, you know, moonshine, what he said, with a buddy of his down the road, who's another crazy Vietnam vet, who I did speak to very briefly um, when I was on the phone with him. Uh, his name is Rodney. He's, a, he's also a reclusive, crazy uh, guy, um, just 
you know, trying to talk to him for about five minutes. And all he wanted to know was if I was, uh, into guns and I was just like, uh, oh yeah. Okay. I just, whatever, you know? And, uh, so he's like, you ain't one of those comic booky freaks, are you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, no I'm like, no, you. that's Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> i was like I'm not, I was, but I, I was like you know what I, I don't mind comic books but i didn't tell that guy i was just like no no i'm into guns and what do you do and he's like tobacco and women yeah me too no i'm just kidding i just i was like whatever you're into man that's you know, tobacco you know whatever whatever floats your boat dude you know and, oh, I, I love uh it's just swallowing dip i guess uh, uh yeah just whatever to fit in right yep um, so I dip for years, though, you know. So I, I, I told the guy, I said, "Yeah, absolutely. I'm into the Second Amendment. I'm into the First Amendment. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's all good." And so th- that was the, the, you know, our conversation. And I was like, "Had you seen any of these creatures?" He's like, "Nope." And that was it. And that was all we talked about. And that was the, the end of that. Short, sweet, and to the point. To the point. I yeah, like it. Very pragmatic. And so Noah got on the phone, and he was like, "That's my friend," you know. And he goes, "So we were driving along, you know, whatever." And Rodney was like, "I wasn't with you." And Noah was like, yeah, you were. And Noah was, and, and Noah was like, kept, they started arguing back and forth. And then Rodney's like, oh, yeah, I think I passed out. And so that's the kind of, you know, friendship they have or whatever. And he said, well, yeah, we were going back to my place, you know, to pick up something or whatever, some ammunition or whatever. And they he, he was so drunk. And he said it was about 8, 9 at night. And they'll stay out there and they'll just pop off rounds all night, you know, messing around. And he said that uh, one of these things was hunched over and it looked like it was feeding on something. And he said that he got, you know, up to the creature. He slowed down and he put the brights on it and he tried to wake up Rodney, but Rodney was out. And uh, and then Rodney claims he wasn't even there, but then he said he was there. So I don't even know, you know, the, about that part of it. And he said he tried to wake him up and he said he was like, wake up, wake up. And so then he, 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 he gets out of the truck, okay, and which is obviously this thing is not even that far away from him. He said maybe 30 yards, 40 yards. And he said he grabbed one of his uh, uh, rifles and he just started opening fire on it and it blazed over the top of it and then it hit it in the back. He said the thing kind of flinched and then got up, stared back at him, looked both ways and then ran into the woods. Didn't even like hop and jump and like move. And he said that it was AR-15 rounds according to what he, what he was telling me. And he said, I popped it right in the back. And he said he just kind of see the muscle twitch, you know, and he goes... I know that these things can be killed. He goes, I, I, he said a friend of his guaranteed hundred percent. He killed at least one or two of them. And he, but he said that that one, he's like, sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll hit, hit them and they don't, they don't even flinch. They'll, they'll go away, but you're not going to, you're not going to stop them. You know, you're not going to kill them. And you know, when Shane had his incident, you know, he, he had told me, uh, when, when I talked to him shortly after I talked to Noah, you know, and Shane had said that, he had actually, he believes when he had his incident where he shot it with 357, he thinks he hit it at least twice and the bullet might've just went right through it. Not like it was an apparition, but like it just pierced it and went through it because he did see little blood over there, but he kind of thought it might've been the horse, you know? Do, do you think that maybe going back to uh, a theory you had earlier about the dimensional travel and how the longer they stay here, the more flesh and blood they, flesh become. And blood they become, do you think that maybe that's the difference? There's the length in that like some bullets will just hit them and it's hitting something, but it, it doesn't, it's not a fully, you know, flesh and blood creature yet. So it's just hitting the impact and just bouncing off. But they know that that could damage them if it's like repeated. So they just leave, but it obviously doesn't affect them because they know that, you know, they're mostly ethereal at that time. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just so, it's, it's so curious to think about like what, what's the life cycle of one of these creatures? Like how, 
you know, there's, there's, it really is. I just want to know that little bit. It's like, how, how, how do you go about just, you know, your life? Like what, what, what is, well, each creature lives approximately 21.5 years. Um, they do run around in four man packs called units. Uh, I, dude, I have no idea. What is, I'm, I'm getting Why, the same stuff you are. You know, this is, this is just my question. I mean, this <laughs> they is, also like Lord of the Rings very uh, much. They do. They well, do. I mean, I wouldn't be a fan of them if they didn't. So no. that's all. I'm they saying. like the orcs because they Oof, are the bad guys. That's, that's not. You get your Tolkien fans. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, obviously, I know you don't know. I'm not asking you. I'm just saying. Man. Are you just? Are you just throwing it I'm, out I'm there? Throwing for the, it out there. For like, the I, that, that's what I really want. Like that's. I, I guess it's like my biggest question about this whole uh, everything of Dogman is just like I want to know. I don't want to know where they are, where they come from. I just want to know their life cycle. Like how? I want to know what exactly. you're thinking. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, I can. I can't tell you. Yeah, I know. I know you can't. Uh, despite being an expert, you disappointed me once again. I think this show has exposed that I am not an expert. I could have told you that. You're fired now, Josh. Oh, my God. You're fired. So, Anthony, uh, was that all the questions you had? Was just the one about the ghost stripes? You said that stripes had offspring. Yeah. So, did the Hernandez family ever interact with any of these offspring? Like, I guess what I'm getting at is, were there ever, after stripes, were there ever any other benevolent uh stripes number man. two there were flesh and blood offspring that looked like him but they were never uh social they had seen them but they you never know. caused any trouble either did uh they? no actually yeah that's not true um you it, it, and we'll get into that eventually because i'm going to get into uh robbie's encounters and jerry's encounters and th that's not something we're going to do on this show it's going to be in a future show and we're going to get into some things that, that actually um, their, their grandfather had never talked about before. This is never before told until I started doing the, more, the research, you know, in the last two years. Um, you know, now Lupe was the one they got all the information from because Adam Sr. would never talk about it. But their dad, Adam Jr., which is the, the father of Andrew, Noah, Abel, Joe, and Adam. Now he... Actually, Adam, Adam, Adam uh, Jr., the the second Adam, because the third Adam would have been his son. Now, he actually uh, did come forward before he died, and he did talk a little bit, and he talked to Andrew. And Andrew had encounters, too. And, of course, if you go back and you listen to the Dogman Encounters episodes, Andrew never talked about his, but he did recently. He did recently, and he, I got them through Jerry. Andrew, he told Jerry and Robbie, his sons, and Andre uh, these stories. Still never got anything out of Andre. He's pretty quiet about it. But Robbie and Jerry did did tell me the things that Andrew had told them, and we're going to get into that on another show. So we have all those people's encounters, and then what Adam Jr. had, had finally confessed to Andrew before he died because Andrew was kind of like his favorite son. Because he was the youngest for a long time until JoJo came along. JoJo came along when he was like a 50-year-old man. So JoJo did not have a whole lot of time with his parents, um, about 20 years. You know, That's probably because he didn't have the patience for JoJo. You know, yeah, and, and by that point, JoJo was just like, he, he was wild. And, and his parents couldn't control him. And so his brothers had to rein him in a lot. That's why he ended up in jail. Uh, not talking crap, Joe. I'm just just being it's honest, factual. I mean, being factual. I mean, you you admitted that. The thing is, though, Andrew just had a, a lot of crazy stuff that happened, and so did Adam Jr. And then, of course, Andrew's sons, Robbie and Jerry. Jerry, the guy that owns the company, that we 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 met him. He's one of the trades. And uh, 
you know, so, so he basically told us a lot of, a lot of stuff. We got a lot more meat on the bone left after this episode, but, uh, they, there was some, some trouble with, uh, his offspring, the ones that looked like him. Uh, Noah, of course, never, never, uh, trusted stripes was already gone when he got back, but he never trusted the, the, the whole, you know, and Abel's wife, his late wife had told him, you know, that it was, it's, that she was scared of it. You know, she was scared of him. Thought that one day it could turn on him, you know, because it, it's it's like a wild animal with a brain, you know, um, like all animals have brains, but I mean like a human-like brain. And she a wild was, animal with intellect. With yeah, with a, with a, with a smart, intelligent intellect, and so she was afraid of it, you know, but but gradually warmed up to it, you know, and to him, and and eventually, um, Noah though was never trusted it when it would come close to the property. He actually uh, shot at him, you know. And Abel and him didn't speak for a while because of that. And he told him, why are you shooting at my friend? He goes, that thing's not your friend. And he's like, the other ones aren't our friends because they're, or they are what they are. Because, but that one, I raised him. I raised him. Yeah. He's mine, you know? And he's, Jojo kept telling this, or Joe and Noah kept telling him, this isn't a pet. Okay. And, and Joe, Jojo kept telling him it was like something in his imagination, you know, because he really wanted to believe that Noah and Abel were just crazy. Like they're just seeing you know, these yeah. critters out there, and Joe was like happy to live in his little cocoon of, of mental, you know, obliviousness. Yeah, obliviousness, the, willful ignorance. Ignorance, yeah, yeah. ignorance is bliss. being willfully ignorant, you know. And so he was perfectly content with that, you know. And and so um, he told me, he goes, "Well, Adam and and Andrew never talk about these creatures. Why are you guys always talking about them?" He goes, "Well, Adam doesn't talk about them because Adam was a very, very religious, God fearing man who believed they were demonic and not to, not to speak of them." Like a lot of Latinos. And and Andrew was one of those people who just kept it very tight-lipped until he was getting older. And then as he um, was close to, to, to dying, he told Robbie and Jerry and everything stories. That he, and then stuff that his dad had told him. Um, so that, and that was Adam Jr. So, yeah, there were incidents with their offspring. They, uh, one of them in particular that looked like stripes but without the stripes. Um, actually was the one that assaulted Cody, which would have been Shane's brother. Now, Shane is, is they're, they're the the Hitchens. Shane Hitchens and his family, that was originally. They were the ones that owned the They property. were the original owners, okay. yeah. And the Hernandez family came to work for them in the form of Adam Sr. And that happened, you know, years ago, like turn of the century. I mean, that's how long they've been together. This These two families have been intertwined. And so they sold off part of that land, and then they gave away part of that land to Adam Jr., because they had been longtime vaqueros working for them, and, and and so they and they went through the wars where they got their their place ransacked and destroyed, and all that other stuff happened, you know. And then the sheriff's department didn't do nothing to help them, you know, but give them a hard time. So they became very mistrusting of law enforcement and government agents that never really seemed to do anything but harass them. So and ask a bunch of questions. And so, anyways, what ended up happening with these people is that they had this whole uh, big property and it got like, you know, partitioned off into different sections and, you know, Cody was one of them. He got a piece of it that, that but Shane was the main uh, benefactor of the will because Cody had some problems. He was a drunk. He drank a lot. Not, not to call him a drunk, but a, he, he was an alcoholic. He had some in and out of rehab type stuff. And so Shane had, had, was the, the, the guy who, you know, so he, when he got out and got clean, eventually he gave him a, a piece of land that he worked for Shane, which is a pretty sizable chunk of land. It's about 40 acres, you know, 45 acres. And uh, so, but 
Cody got attacked and the creature that he described very much sounded like a stripes type creature, but where the stripes would have been, it was kind of grayed. Like maybe it had kind of grown out and just kind of turned into like a grayed mat on, you know? And so, you know, and, and the description he gave me was pretty, uh, you know, like it it went out, it attacked him at night when he went out to check on his uh, chickens and his hogs. And so, but that's for another time. I'm going to tell that story eventually too. Um, but right now I would just like to talk about uh, the possibility, uh, that these things could have been some sort of like cursed, uh, or, or some sort of, um, uh, I don't know how to, how to say it. Like it, it, cause it seems very much like they were attached to that land. Now we've gone over these weird theories of what they could have been. Could they have come from the outer space or another dimension or they could they have just been a natural creature that just lives there which is harder for me to believe considering the things that they do and they're so malevolent you know and 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 knowing what i've known for so long ryan that's one of the reasons why um i was always kind of like you know at one one point i was on the side of these things are flesh and blood they've evolved here or whatever you want to call it and then i started to kind of change my stance and i'll tell you right now vic cundiff has even told me that a lot of times people are playing with Ouija boards and stuff when they have these encounters. I mean, I've talked to lots of people and yeah. and, and, I, and I've talked to Dark Waters who's told me, you know, that, yeah, the, these things, he used to think they were more like flesh and blood, but they're more, you know, these, there's a spiritual thing aspect to these things. Linda Godfrey, same thing. They've all said the same yeah, thing. Yeah, you can't deny that. I mean, there's too many people who have kind of started out you know, the, the, the physical way and then said, no, nah, maybe they're spiritual or they're both, or they have an ability because think about our ancestors and how much more spiritually in tune they were than we are. And each passing generation becomes less you know in tune to that. Exactly. I mean, we don't know when these dog men came to that piece of land. So, uh, they could have been there for a long, long time. And some of their generations could have lost that spiritual, uh, ability. And so, so you see a lot of that maybe, maybe that's why they're so attached to that land because, They've been there for a long, long time, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, like, so when you see some that are spiritual, it's because maybe those are new. Those are ones that are just arriving, and so they still have some of that. The ethereal. Yeah, maybe, like, their world is just, there's something in their world that gives them that ability, and when they come here, they just start losing it because there's nothing here to uh, supply them with whatever, uh, you know, whatever it is. There's some energy source that we don't understand, maybe. I think they can be nature spirits too, because I don't. I don't really think that being malevolent disqualifies them from being some sort of nature spirits attached to that land. Because oh yeah, definitely. And the thing is, it could also be a matter of perspective. Because I mean, from our perspective, they're malevolent because they're they're harassing this family and terrorizing them. But from their perspective, that you know, they could just be defending themselves. Me, well, from, not from, necessarily defending themselves, but but just just doing what they're what they're made to do is to guard that land and keep keep people off of it. Because well, there was well, like, yeah, that's why, man, like uh, defending themselves from trespassers. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if you go back and you listen to the shows on DR, I mean, they, there was there was a, a den. Well, I mean, there was a hole. I mean, I, I don't want to say because they didn't see them, you know. But like like they they covered up that hole and that could have been where they come through that could have been the portal, you know. Or what I mean? like, it could have been something that you know maybe a grave. It, it could have been something sacred to them that you know, uh, if they've been there a long time, there's got to be something around there that they keep. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. There's got to be something there that's keeping them there, you know. And maybe like you know, there's like these little areas that 
uh, either tunnels or little special areas that they have where they either bury great people, uh, their either they bury like they're dead or they use it as a special place of where they, it's just a sacred area. And when people are messing with it, then obviously, yeah, I, I can understand why they would be so aggressive and so protective, you know, so protective. And so like very quickly to just attack everything there. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want, you know, people messing with my sacred stuff too. Like, let's say you have something in your room that's just so precious to you and someone just keeps my coming precious. in. And breaking it, you're obviously going to, you know, retaliate. Yeah, because my brother goes in my room, and every time he's in there, he breaks something. Yeah. If y'all know, y'all know that. Yeah, yeah I we mean, both understand. Ryan, you know my brother is a nice guy. You've met him, right? Okay, so that's what that's the yeah, rumor. Of that, that's what you think, mm -hmm. but because you don't know him. Yeah, that's well. the lie that I'm believing. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> he he goes in my room, and he's like Simon the Bull in my room, and 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 it, it never fails. One of my like, I had all those little. Uh, figurines of the the dc and the marvel i had a i had a bunch of them he's broken so many of them now my whole collection is just uh, yeah i mean we were standing there demolished. in the doorway and i was watching you know you see boba fett you see darth vader you see uh what is it the <laughs> oh the bounty hunters the bounty hunters yeah, yeah but, but then you see one just missing an arm. arm yeah i think it was four like, oh well that's so cool I, yeah. I don't remember that in the movie but it just me like a new edition i because, haven't seen yet because d d uh did something and and then you know, I didn't do that. I know it was him because his big fat sausage fingers broke it or something, and then it fell behind my card boxes. That's all right. That's all right. I, I deal with it. I suffer in silence. I suffer in silence. Well, obviously not that silent. Um. That was that was the joke, my friend. I, I suffer in silence. But anyways, uh, the the point is, you know that that uh, you have these creatures, and they are able to manipulate. Just, I mean, they're able to do things that that, uh, that people can't do, and 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 I honestly believe that that has something to do with why you can't take pictures of them clearly, why people lose pictures of them. You know, I know two or three researchers who had pictures, and and they disappeared. I mean, like literally, you know, like they they they. I mean, I believe them. I believe that this this could actually happen because I, people don't realize what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with just a flesh and blood thing. They can appear as solid flesh and blood as people, and they can interact and do things because. Like I said, I lived in a house that had stuff that went on and, and on a daily basis. I mean, I, it wasn't just me. I didn't, I wasn't like experiencing something every day, but other people were experiencing things too. And we know, I, I know, and they know that these things could manipulate and they could appear as physical beings. I mean, there was this whole doppelganger thing going on in my house. If you go back to the early episodes of this show of PRT and you listen, uh, I brought several guests on too, to talk about, you know, and my brother was one of them to talk about living in that house. And, and, you know, a lot of my friends can attest to this, you know, they've told Nellie and they've told you, Anthony and Tony, you know, what it was like. And they've, they, and these are big, tough, strong guys like, you know, Jack and squid, Jerome, they're, they're, they're not, they're not weaklings. And of course y'all know Willie passed away in May, but the, these guys were telling the truth. I mean, they were scared. I mean, and they would see, you would see like, you know, Pete said he thought he saw D, you know, and of course Scorp thought he saw me and I thought I saw squid and it wasn't them. Uh, it was flesh and blood as it could be. I even saw squid like messing with like a, like a pan, you know, in the kitchen. And I was like, and then, and then it wasn't him. I mean, it, it's so bizarre. Like, you know, but you, you can see that the, there was water running. I mean, how do you explain that? It's, it's a physical me a manifestation, but it's obviously spiritual in nature, but it can manipulate physical things. And so you can't be deceived and just be like, oh, those are, that's just a flesh and blood thing, you know? 
uh, I was talking to a deer hunter and he, he lived down near, uh, he was hunting down South Texas. He was from Mathis. And he, if anybody knows, it's near Corpus, a pretty cool area. And there'd be a nice lake out there. And then you're close to the ocean too. And uh, he was out there and he was fishing. And uh, it was actually deer season too. And so he was fishing and he saw this big buck come out of the, uh, out of the clearing and just go to get a drink. And he's like, oh man. So he had his, his rifle right there with him ready to go. And uh, he said, I had, I had a 30 out six because he hit his other, his other rifle. He had his other rifle, but it wasn't loaded. He was like, I was a better shot with that one, but it wasn't loaded. And he was like, so I was like, oh gosh, so I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot, you know? So he goes, he starts getting it, getting ready. He's ready to aim. And then the thing just kind of goes to leap and, and, and just turns in one motion and goes to leap. And he said it vanished in thin air. He said it just completely vanished. I mean, it was a, it was a deer. It was a buck. And he said it was like, it was a, it was a, it was a big buck, you know? And, uh, he said it was just gone. Like it just vanished. Well, I've talked to you about it before. Maybe like little time capsules or time little, uh, areas. You know, I, I mentioned it before how I thought like maybe it's possible that little spaces have just time or like, uh, time is just differently to where certain events just happen over and over and over again. And the things that are in it just don't realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a, it's a, a moment in time that's just frozen that it just, it repeats itself. It repeats itself. It repeats itself. And maybe we just haven't realized it because we haven't really found the cycle of repeating, like like what that re- cycle is. So yeah, that, you know, maybe like what, right when he was about to shoot that deer, that deer does, uh, well, the, the, the just interesting- went back to normal. The interesting thing to me was that he said he was he he was going for his other rifle because that was the better rifle, and then the old thirty out six. Of course, everybody knows it kicks like a mule, mm-hmm. and you know if you got a, another rifle there, twenty two two fifty or whatever you got, and I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said it was, but he said I was going for that one. I thought, oh, it's not loaded because he was he had been drinking and he was sitting there fishing and he thought, you know, if I get lucky and a buck comes along or a hog, it's always hogs. You can kill hogs all year long in Texas. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot. And he was like, I forgot to, 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 yeah, they'll pay you bounty. But he's like, I forgot to load it. So he's like, well, I'm going to go for this other one. He said, and that hesitation of time gave that buck the the, the ability to turn and jump. But he thought, oh man, I missed my opportunity, but it just vanished in front of his eyes. Now, what if he wouldn't have hesitated and he'd have picked up the 30 odd and got it? Would he have killed it? Would it have been dead? Like, or, or would it just have gone through it? You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. that is the question. That's kind of a mind warping question. And, and he, he said that that weird hesitation, you know, was all it took, you know? And then he was like, oh man. I guess it would depend on like, you know, how is he affecting, the, how is a deer affecting its environment? Well, what, and here's another question. Yeah. How is it affecting the environment? How, how is this guy, what if he would have had, because he had a buddy with him that, that was supposed to be with him, which ended up showing up late, you know, and. He said that what now, and I asked the question to him, I said, like, what if your buddy Cliff, which is, that was his friend's name, I was like, what if he would have been with you? Would he have seen the deer too? Would it have vanished in front of both their eyes? Because, you know, I got a Sasquatch encounter out of, out of uh, Nebraska. This happened near Lincoln. Like, like, and so they, they, they were telling me there was just like this, uh, the Sasquatch came out of a corn stalks and, and they, they were, there were two women. I mean, there were two, two, uh, two couples, two males, or, or two males, two females, and and the one husband and wife were walking ahead, and the the, the sister in law and the brother were were there, and and they were like, "Hey, look at that!" And they, they they first they thought it was like a like they couldn't tell what it was. They thought it was like a gorilla. They said, "Look, it's like a gorilla." And this thing stood up and walked on on its hind legs, very much like a human. And they thought that th- their minds were kind of like, "Whoa!" 
it was a Sasquatch. It was obviously clear as day. It was a Sasquatch. And while they were all staring at it, there were four people staring at it. It just started to kind of vibrate and shake. And then it just disappeared. And then that was, that was weird. So, I mean, like you get that, you get that story as a real brief encounter, but I mean, you get that, that whole, uh, what these dog men do, you know, they get this weird, like, you know, that story, there was one in Linda Godfrey's book where it shimmied and kind of, you know, we've heard that too, Anthony, yeah, Tony, you know, where they kind of shimmy and then they, they, they disappear. Like Lon Strickler had talked about them, them doing this, they had this weird silver's glow to them. And then the one I got out by Lake Travis was, was a greenish glow, uh, which is very weird. And then of course, Linda's book, it was like a mist. It came up near its feet. And so you get these weird, and then and then sometimes you'll get these things, they'll vanish, you know, like. Uh, Do you think like it's like that tree thing to where it's like a, if, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and you're not around to hear it, does it make any does it, noise? Does it actually make Is any it noise? Is it like uh, if you're with someone, then you miss out on a lot of these supernatural abilities because of the fact that you're not by yourself. Because you, you think, have to have a dual perspective. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, do, you, do you think it's something like that? What do you think, I think? I have no idea. Do you have any theories on maybe like how that could be possible? I mean, I kind of threw out like the time thing because I I always, Um, I uh, believe in a time loop. I I believe it's possible that, you know, there are certain events that just don't, can't be explained. When it comes to uh, like how how these things are disappearing, I remember I read this one theory uh, in in a book, uh, I think it was a David Icke book. Oh, Tales from the Time Loop. Yeah, Tales from the Time Loop about how our eyes can perceive like a certain a certain range of frequencies of vibration and anything that vibrates below or above that range we we can't we can't physically perceive it so if an entity vibrates at a uh, like within a range that we can perceive and then they can somehow change the range the range at, w- at which they're the, they vibrate like the frequency that they vibrate at to go outside that range then it would look to us like they just vanished like they just disappeared well the glimmer man yeah, think, but think a, of the deer, a deer, I don't know if a deer yeah, would a deer's be able to not do gonna, something it, like that. It, that. That has to be something. Like a, a deer, I feel like it, it, it would have been caught in something. So yeah, maybe like the vibration thing is correct. Maybe like that little area has like this weird vibration effect and that deer is just stuck in it. And no. you know, maybe like at that moment. that the, Well, you, you also get stories of shapeshifter deer. Oh yeah. I didn't even think of that. I mean, I, I, I'm just so stuck on these time loops that like I, I really just I enjoy that. But yeah, shapeshifter deer. Mark DeLeon, he was on, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, on, on, uh, on, he was on the French at one point and he, he had, he had talked about, and I only listened to part of that one cause he's a friend of mine and, uh, he told me he was going to be on or whatever. And he, he actually mentioned me in that, I believe in that, uh, that episode and uh, we were talking about, you know, the different, you know, and me and him have had conversations a little bit, you know, about stuff, but, uh, he had talked about these deer that had stood up on walk on two, on, on their hind legs. And I, and I'd heard stories of that out near Joppa. You know, the deer leash where my my uh, family used to live near, and uh, they were talking about these these uh, you know deer that they would see, and they would like literally like go hop up on two legs and then go over a fence, and it was just the weirdest thing. But they just looked like regular deer, but they could walk on two legs. Okay, that's what I was wondering because I, I I see a lot of uh, pictures of wendigos, and they they usually have like horns, and they look like they have like a deer. Well, kind you, of you know, face. and I'm going to get into that eventually. In fact, I just got a shipment of books from Chad Lewis, and one of his famous books is about wendigos, and I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to read it and then get them on the show. Wendigos. But yeah, w- one of the things, and Ryan, you know a lot about wendigos. One of the things is that the that the antlers that was a later edition. Oh really? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I didn't know they that. Came with I think yeah, the rake is the, the Wendigo. Oh, really? 
Yeah, because it always seemed I, I didn't understand um, what was the point of having deer horns on a. Yeah, I think that that the Wendigo whole would be there was a there was a creature that was one of the children of Loki, which to me would just be a nephilim. But it was it was depicted as having like like six legs, hooves. You know, it was very creepy. There's a movie, um, the ritual, I, the ritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's is actually it? a child of Loki too. I think this is exactly yeah. the creature you're talking okay, about. Yeah, because I know the legend. The, the legend is he had a multi-legged horse uh, for a son, and then he that then it. When, that it can it could transform and it have like mo- a moose's head or something. It was yeah, weird. Yeah. It was a very weird story. Uh, it was like very, very much like a uh, Nephilim. I got a guy that I actually share an o- the office with, and he his name is Nick, and actually we're in, here recording in the studio. And uh, he's writing right now. Yeah, he's in there writing. We're to be he's quiet, writing a book. Not and, too much. So he's he actually is is going to come on the show pretty soon, and we're going to talk about some of these things because he he believes there's a connection to all these, like I do. You know, they all, it all kind of fits in and ties in, and hopefully someday we can at least put some of the pieces together. Well, it's just a waiting game. I mean, eventually. <laughs> well, you know, everything is it, it comes full circle eventually. You know, I mean, everything. I mean, eventually you can, you, if you really try, you can you can flesh things out. You know, if you talk to enough people and you spend enough time researching and 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 going over things, you can find things. I mean, so many people just give up. You know, they they don't. Uh, you know, it's like you you, you put the pieces together. You know, and listen to everybody because everybody's got a different tell to tell and there's so many different Yeah, and most versions. importantly, keep an open mind, you know, just yeah. once you start closing yourself off, like I did earlier with the time loop stuff, you start forgetting about these other possibilities, like, for instance, like you mentioned, you know, the deer. And, you know, once you start losing that, then you kind of, especially if you just get really focused on one thing, then you, once you start dismissing other possibilities about a subject that no one really understands, I think you start losing a bit of credibility. Yeah, you, you, and if you shut yourself off, like so many groups have, they're just like they're they're, they're just demons. That's all they are, and then you know, and then and then they don't want to entertain the idea that they're anything other than that. And then you have the other side of the coin that's that's very. It starts uh, confidence. They're just physical, and they're they've evolved that way, which is really really ridiculous because I can't imagine a wolf evolving like that at all. And you know, and the episode that we haven't dropped yet, still uh, Ryan, that we did with Ken. <laughs> Uh, Gerhard and 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 you know and I'm gonna have to drop that pretty soon. But you know, Ken Ken was talking and he was talking about all these uh, extinct animals and things like that. And it was very much a cryptozoological conversation. And we're gonna do another one with Scott Martis. Scott, if you're out there, you're gonna be on my show again, and we're gonna talk about these water cryptids because I have some questions for you, like that octopus thing that we researched, Ryan. And we're gonna we're gonna get on there with 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 Scott, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ha- chop it up, hash it up. But but the thing is, I mean, you got these weird uh, creatures that people see in, all over the place, and there and and there's so many different types of, of of things going on. It's hard to put your finger on one thing, and so many people want to just pigeonhole this whole phenomenon and say, "Well, it's a physical being, you know, and and whatever, and it evolved this way." And Ken Garrett was very much in, in, in opposition to that. And that that Ken, you know, says that I don't believe a wolf's going to be evolved that way. I just not, you know. But uh, he he does believe in the Sasquatch can evolve that way, but he doesn't know what to make of the dog man, you know. And then he said it's got to be something very supernatural, which is something that most of of my uh, my peers seem to seem to believe that there's a very supernatural element to these things. And and uh, you, you know you got to kind of put the pieces together. I mean, just in the last few days, I've talked to three or four different researchers and three or four different authors about various subjects, you know. But 
you ask, it just on on the on the cusp. You know, I just asked Nick Nick Redfern. I just talked to him the other day, and I asked him just kind of on the fly. I said, "Hey, before we go," and it was completely not about this subject, you know. But I asked him what he thought about the Anunnaki and the theories of Sitchin, and he began to kind of expound on what he thinks and whatever. Because my other, my as it would be funny that my my friend Nick that shares the office with me, he writes about the metaphysical and he you know, is writing some of that, some of his theories, you know, about that ancient civilizations and stuff. So I asked Redfern his opinion on it and he kind of threw some stuff out there and gave me his opinions and whatever, you know, and you chop it up and you go, wow, okay. So this guy believes this, this guy believes this, this guy believes this, and you kind of put it all together. And then you start throwing out the theories and folks, you at home can decide and you be the judge. You tell me what you think it is. And, and you know what, after this episode, hit me up with questions, you know, Send me emails. I, I, I'm going to, my, my new office, my new digs, I'm liking it. I like the new studio that we're at and I'm, I'm going to be chopping it up and just. Yeah, um, it's definitely more comfortable in here. Yeah. And I feel. we're going to be able to just, I'm just going to be able to pour through emails and just pour through my messengers and I'm just going to be contacting people left and right. And, and I'm going to be setting up a lot of stuff. We're going to start moving towards maybe getting a, 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 an extra show in every two weeks now. Now, maybe not two shows a week. But I'm going to start moving a little faster and maybe start going, uh, instead of just one hour a week, doing two hours a week, and then maybe on, and then have an off week, you know, where you have just one show, you know, and then maybe every other Tuesday we'll do a show like every other Tuesday. Yeah, that sounds fun. I yeah. mean, I, I'm down. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I want Ryan thing, to be if, a, a permanent fixture. You're going to be coming in and that, especially on that extra show, it'll be me, you, uh, Ryan and Tony, you know, we yeah. can, we, you know, definitely. I mean, I, I, uh, me and Ryan spoke a little bit earlier, uh, today when you were dropping off Nelly and talking about how much you hated me. Yeah. 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 And we were saying how yeah, we could take over the show yeah. if we just got your secret vault of uh, stories. And I told him no I was secret working vault. on it. You got the email, this lazy guy, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony can go in, in his room and he can turn on that computer and he can look at any of those emails he wants. Yeah, but it's easier when you just work it out for me. And exactly. Then I can just steal it. So now, this lazy I, I I don't want that secret vault. I, um, I don't want that secret vault. I just want the one in here, the one that you make yourself and you put all together. That one seems easier to steal. Yeah, because because you know the thing is, you, you, we have these emails there, and I'm like, anytime you want, you can go in there and you can start plucking away at them, and let's start calling people and getting in touch with them because that was a problem I had with my old co-host was. <laughs> His unwillingness to, to do that, you know, dig in and start asking questions. Well, I, I've called a couple of people. I mean, it's not like. Yeah. What, were they pretty girls or? No. no? Yeah, right. And one no, girl. Honestly, I thought the, I, I thought the I one girl one was. one guy in British. Uh, no. I, in sadly, British? That was what, uh, in the British. In the British place. <laughs> Dude, in the British place. I remember him speaking those British words. and I, I He forget. was in England. Is that what it's called? I don't want to pay attention to things across a, water that I can't swim He across. was an England person. He was an England man. He was one of them. Uh, he talked very much like this. Yeah, that's it. That language. Or he talked like, uh, was it John Keegan? I'm kidding. Yeah. Obviously, the one uh, thing you have to know about the dog man, and I tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna continue this conversation down the road, and we're gonna we're gonna go back to the Hernandez Ranch again and again because we're gonna. It's a very interesting place with a lot of weird phenomena that affected the people of this. Now, th this guy Joe, he wasn't even on the ranch anymore. Like he didn't even live it. His first thing, his first encounter was not on the ranch, and it wasn't he. You know, and then all of his subsequent encounters were not on the ranch. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened to him on the ranch. I mean, it was all uh, stuff that happened outside the I ranch. I feel like he hit. He found something else, though. I feel like he found something similar, but it's definitely more sinister. Mm -hmm. Because you know, if you 
like I said before, when you start messing with a, a man's peace of mind, then you're definitely doing something sinister because you, know, you, if you really just, if they just attacked it physically real quick, if it attacked him physically and just try to get rid of him physically over and over again, then I could see it as a creature that's just hell bent on getting him. But when, when it, it's showing up at places and just disappearing just to mess with him and keep him scared and not letting him sleep, then I know that, yeah. This is this what he saw had to be a little different. Yeah, that definitely. It's definitely more spiritual. Yeah, that's bad juju right there. Yep. So, guys, uh, I guess that's it for the hundredth episode. I hope it was all that it was cracked up to be. It was supposed to be uh, an important episode, important milestone. Um, I think right up there with our Halloween shows and our one year anniversary show, where you know, where we had uh, Ken and, and Vic and on, on there, and then Lyle did an interview. Uh, we're going to get Lyle Blackburn back on the show, too. I guarantee you guys we got to do that. He's got some really good books he's released recently. I, I can't keep up with all the books, all the good books coming out that I'm trying to read them all. And I'm like, oh, man, I got so many. And uh, I definitely want to get him back on. And, and we're going to talk uh, to these people. We're going to get Nick Redfern on. I talked to him the other day. I'm Chad Lewis. I'm, I just, I'm just been super busy. It's nothing on their part. Uh, it's just me. I'm just, I got so much uh, going on. And I don't mean like I'm so important. I'm just saying I got I got so much going on. I'm trying to get all these shows out, and we've recorded a, a ton of them, and we still have a, a big, you know, a, a bunch, you know, in the bunch in the chamber that need to come out. So, um, but we also try to keep things fresh. I mean, we, uh, you know, so like like obviously like this one is a hundred episodes, so we we do it. We did it right before that week. So, I mean, we try to keep our shows, you know, at least relevant. Yeah, I mean, we, we got to get the other ones out like, though find a show that's like you know two three months old and we're like oh here you go let's just throw it out and it has nothing to do we're, we're talking about old stuff that doesn't even happen anymore yeah uh i don't know of any shows like that but, but um, i mean we make if sure. it does come up though i'll make sure we don't do it yeah, i mean there's <laughs> been a couple times where uh i felt like we've had a really good vault of time uh, of shows mm -hmm. and then uh, uh, then again like your soul you know hype to do the shows that sometimes you'll have me back next week and you're like you ready to do another show and i'm like we just have like a bunch in there right now. Do, do we really need to? Yeah. Well, you kind of got to do the special ones. Though. You yeah. got to get them in there. Mm -hmm. uh, folks, I want to ask you a big favor. I want you to pray for our friend, Anna Choate. She was on yeah. our show uh, and she she did the, uh, gosh, dog, I don't even look the episode up that she was on, but she she did a two-parter where she, with with uh, the Herb Baumeister, the serial killer, it was, uh, she had did the, the research and then she had gone and, and to Fox Hollow Farms and done a a field investigation of the hauntings there that were pretty horrific and the murders were horrific. Mm -hmm. um, Baumeister, of course, is a serial killer who was credited with killing. They believe he may have killed up to 50 people. Um, I mean, aren't they still finding... They're still like, finding yeah, fragments still, to this day. Yeah. You know, they're finding bones. But she did that, that investigation. She was a pretty tough girl and she ended up having an appendix rupture and she got sepsis and now she's trying to fight for her life up there in Colorado. And I hope that you guys will say a prayer for her. Please, please keep her in a prayer. Send her positive thoughts and energy and get her well. Because we want her to come back and be our friend and stay in our lives. She's my wife's dear, dear friend. And they, they talk all the time. They're good friends. And so if you could keep her in your prayers. And also, I want to say something else. Um, there's a lot of people that are suffering right now. You know, we're going through these new next round of lockdowns. A lot of things are happening. Everybody's upset and a lot of bad things are happening left and right, you know, and it just seems like it just keeps getting worse. Uh, keep your chin up. Stay positive, okay, and just keep on pushing and just stay together. You know, we're all a family here at PRT. We're, we're, all our listeners, we treat them like family. Like I said, we're doing two giveaways now. 
In fact, if you want to, you know, Ryan, why don't you post the show in your group and Tony post the show in your group and we'll okay. choose we'll choose a winner from each one of y'all's groups and just one from the Paranormal Roundtable group. All right. All right and, you got uh, it. and I'll let Nelly know too. Maybe we'll have four winners. Who who knows? We'll just do it. We'll just do it up. It's a hundred episodes, so I mean, why not? It's a hundred episode show. We got lots of uh, we got lots of uh, material of, of lots of uh, merchandise. Give, merchandise to give away. I mean, yep. you know, we made a huge order because we wanted to, you know, be able to do a little bit extra for Christmas, and you know, and so you guys Excellent. go and we're going to drop a, the the link to this show. We're going to do it in in a, a scream, a whisper to a scream, and then we're going to do it for for paranormal roundtable encounters and lounge. So whisper to a scream, and then the others. And then Ryan, you can choose from your group and, and Tony, you choose from your group or y'all can choose from each other's group. So nobody says y'all are being biased in your group. Somebody, mm. you, you don't get anybody you resenting you. Yeah, okay. You choose from his and he chooses from yours. All right. And I'll let Nelly choose from Paranormal Roundtable and I'll choose from Paranormal well, Remember, uh, Ryan wants the questions though. So if you're in my group, you got to get those good questions out. That's what he, he's looking for. Make them really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So guys, uh, I really enjoyed this. Roundtable, Anthony, thanks for standing in since Nelly had to had to go and lay down because she wasn't feeling good. And guys, please keep her in your prayers. Nelly really needs your prayers, please. And another person that's suffering is is one of our long, long time friends, Mike Tooley. He listens to the show regularly. He works for us. He's also going to be doing doing some uh, the general contracting on building our house that we're we're, we're starting to build. And um, he's sick. He's very sick right now. And um, he he went to the hospital with severe dehydration after he came back from the deer lease. And uh, yeah, he's doing. He's not doing too good. Um, so if you guys could pray for him, Mike Tooley, uh, Anna Choate, and uh, please keep them in your prayers. And Nellie, my wife. So if everybody just prays really hard, I think we can help fix things too. We can we can get rid of all this this darkness in this world. Keep the the, the beacon of light lit. And uh, remember, guys, you're not alone. You are not alone. You're a part of the PRT family. You can message me or Tony or Ryan or Anthony or Nelly anytime you want. And just, just ask any question you want, as long as it's not vulgar. Then only Ryan will answer. Yeah. Very true. I will get to those right away. <laughs> those are my favorite questions right there. So anyways, that being said, guys, I want everybody to have a safe weekend. I hope you enjoyed this 100th episode. Go back and listen and re-listen and tell your mom, your dad, your friends, all your parents, you know, whatever. And uh, let them know that uh, PRT is a, is a worthy show to, to for their ears to, 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 to feast on. <laughs> All right, so with that being said, uh, hopefully you're not being treed by a dog man or being chased uh, on a motorcycle by one or, you know, being drug out of the back of a car. Uh, everyone here at PRT, good night. Good night. <laughs>